Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 289 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Wednesday, wild Wednesday, almost there, folks. The weekend's just around the corner. We got madness. It's March Madness here at the here at the Fourth Line Voice, but uh, we're not going to be talking basketball. It's going to be minor league madness. That's right, minor league mayhem. The sixth annual minor league mayhem tournament is here. For those listening or what am I talking about? Well, for the last six years, I have done a Twitter tournament. This uh, And uh, much like the March Badness bracket, I have 64 of the minor league's toughest guys. And uh, we battle until one, we vote until one remains. Every day there's a different section of the bracket, different matchups. Um, 20, voting is 24 hours. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I, and I always, uh, I do the Bob Probert tournament and I've done different to power Eddie Shore tournaments and power forward tournaments and and everything like that. Um, I have to say this minor the minor league one is always my is uh, my most the favorite tournament that I do. Um, 
I think just for the simple fact that, I mean, we're bringing up names that, um, you know, obviously don't get discussed all the time on social media. Some guys very seldom. And I think for a little while, it's fun to get everybody talking about those guys or thinking about them or seeing pictures of them and that type of thing. And, and I know the players get a big kick out of it. I know some of them actually get really competitive about this. Um, and it's just a fun little thing. And, uh, and I always like doing it. So I'm really looking forward to, for, for this year's. Um, and this one's going to be a little different. Like I said, all the tournaments I've done before, I've done them on Twitter. And, um, I gotta be, I gotta be honest. Um, I've said it in the last couple episodes, but I just haven't been feeling Twitter. Like, I mean, I'm still on there, whatever, promoting, but I mean, you put pictures up or you interact, the interactions aren't there like they used to be. And I, and I think, I don't want to say Twitter's dying because that's a little dramatic, but I mean, um, I'm in my little corner, my niche corner in Twitter. And it's like, I mean, I'm sure if I was discussing the, power play from the ranger game the other night i'm sure i'd be engaged with multiple people but um you know when you when you put up a picture of you know some you know uh whatever Serge Robert, you're not going to get a lot of comments so which is unfortunate um and i think uh and i think on on facebook it'll be much more engaging and uh i'm going to try something different i'm going to try it on my facebook page this year so this year's tournament's going to be on my facebook page fourth line voice um I'm, I'm sure you can just go there. It's a, it's a public, you don't have to be my friend to vote or anything. I mean, it's a public page. So I think you probably just swing by and hit vote for whatever. Um, um, the only thing that's going to be a little bit different is on Twitter. You can put pictures up in the voting poll and blah, blah, blah. And I like that setup on Facebook. You can't do that. So we're going to have to kind of create our, cause you know, how you can like something and blah something and whatever on Facebook. I think with this one, I'm going to have a picture of the matchup, you know, Jim versus Joe. If you want Jim to win, hit the, hit the thumbs up button. If you want Joe to win, well, then put a, put a smiley face or something. I, I think that's what we're going to have to do. So unfortunately, they don't have voting polls. Um, or they do in the groups, but they don't for the, for individual pages for some reason. I don't know, unless I can't find it, but, but anyway, that's what we're going to have to do. So, um, but I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I think the, I think the, um, like I said, I, I, I just think it'll be, and maybe not, maybe, maybe, uh, there won't be as much engagement as I think there will be. And, uh, and it'll kind of, you know, and it'll kind of suck and whatever. And then, well, then next year I'll put it back on Twitter. So, but I think try something different, see how it goes this year. And, uh, and, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. But, uh, as always with these tournaments, um, I like to, uh, uh, do a bracket breakdown of the first round. And in doing that, I got to bring, uh, my special guests in and they've done this for the last couple of years with me. Uh, it's Jay out in Iowa and of course Alec, uh, formerly of the Five for Fighting podcast. Uh, they come on and we yap around for a couple hours and we just talk about the guys and who we think would win and why. And if we have a story of so and so or whatever, and we just kind of, ah, it's just a fun sit down with, with a bunch of fight fans just talking out of our ass really. So, but, uh, I, I always enjoy the conversation. So, and I think you guys will have a lot of fun listening because, um, yeah, it's just, like I said, it's just fans, right? So, um, so anyway, guys, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to keep this intro short because we talked for like two hours. So, um, Saturday here, um, I always say Saturday at high noon, the gloves drop, uh, for the first eight fights of, uh, of the uh, of the bracket and uh, the, like I said, that voting will go for 24 hours and then on to the next eight. So um, really looking forward to it. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a lot of fun, and and I think you guys will dig it. And um, and then like I said, in the comments section, you know, leave your comments of 
oh, I picked this guy and why. And like I always said, I mean, as long as people, hopefully everybody keeps it respectful. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any reason to trash talk anybody or make fun of anybody or whatever. And like I say, you know, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the guys that are involved in this tournament are, are going to be like a lot of the guys that we're voting on are on Facebook and will probably be reading the comment section and they don't need to read that shit. So, um, I'm going to tell you this, uh, anybody that decides to go in the comment section and act like a goof, you're just going to get blocked. So, and that'll be the end of that. So, um, you're not going to last long if you think you're going to talk shit. So, and I'm going to monitor it pretty heavy. I get notified right away. And, uh, so yeah, if I see any goofy talk, it's uh, out you go. I don't care who you are. You're get, you know, no, we're not having it. So when that's not what this is about, this is just a fun little thing. And, uh, you know, to talk about guys that, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, uh, you know, I mean, obviously people are talking about the current players and everything else. They're not talking about so-and-so who played in Mohawk Valley in 1904, you know, so, um, and, and which is a shame. So I think this is what, and this is what this tournament's all about. It's just to kind of, uh, bring these guys back into the, into the spotlight a little bit and have people just talk about them for a while. So I think it'll be fun. But, uh, other than that, guys, like I said, uh, I remember the hockey podcast network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams have shows. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Speaking of minor league legends, Terry Ryan is on the network as well. So definitely check out his show. And, uh, for my off network friends, of course, we've got old Joe Lazito there at the Nordiques Knuckles podcast. He just released part two of his interview with, uh, with Ivan Matulik part two. So check out that as well as his back catalog. And, uh, if you happen to be on the YouTubes, as they say, uh, bounce over to the fourth line voice on my YouTube channel. Um, just hit subscribe. I have over 2,500 videos on there and, uh, yeah, all the leagues are represented. So whatever league you're uh, looking for, uh, they're all sorted. Just type it in, boom, up the fights will come. A lot of the guys in this tournament are on my YouTube page. Check out some of their tilts. And, um, yeah, other than that, Let's get into it, shall we? Let's uh, come sit down, pull up a chair, grab a beer, and uh, yeah, as Jay, myself, and Alec uh, dis- discuss the uh, the the first round of the sixth annual minor league mayhem tournament. All right, get- oh, and that's the other thing I always say um, for those listening: I am not interested in getting comments about why isn't so and so in this. I don't care. Like I said, it's the sixth annual. I've, I've, you have your, I have my core guys that are always going to be in the tournament, but I like to move in and out of about, there's about 30 guys that are always interact. I've, I've changed it up every year and put different guys in the tournament. So maybe next year so and so will be in it, but just cause I didn't put your favoriteist in, um, it's not a slight to them. I mean, we talk about this in the thing. You can literally have a 300 man bracket. There's that many guys. And, um, you know, but somebody will always bitch that someone isn't in there. I'm ready because I've done these tournaments long enough. I'm going to get flooded in my notifications about I forgot so-and-so and whatever. And the biggest one is, well, why isn't Steve McIntyre in it? Well, he won last year. So it's always been whoever wins it the next year, they're not in the tournament. So we can have someone different win it. And then McIntyre will be back in in next year's one. It's not the end of the world. It's just, like I said, it's a fun little thing that we're going to vote on, comment, have some laughs, talk about some guys that don't get talked about very often. That's what this is about. And uh, and I and I really wish that people would remember that 
while before they type anything. I know it's a big ask, and I know it's not going to happen. I already know the moment I put up this bracket, I'm going to get 15 people shitting on it. So whatever. But, uh, you know, which is unfortunate, but that's the way social media is. But uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't commented yet, don't bother. I don't care that you're going to tell me that Jason Payne should have been in it or Colt King or you stupid. You know, why isn't ah, blah, blah, blah. In it? Yeah, no, they were in it last year. Like, who cares? Like, just can we just focus on the 64 that are in it? Have fun that way, please. That's all I'm asking, guys. Can we just enjoy the 64 guys that are in this? And let's just talk about them. Let's not talk about who's not in it because that's pointless. So that's all I ask. I don't ask much. That's all I ask. Well, the only other thing I ask you to do is get out and vote and comment because the interaction is the most is that's the point of all of this is to create con- <coughs> is to create conversation. That's the point. So let's do that, please. I encourage it. And that's about it. Other than uh, if you could rate and review my show, I greatly appreciate it. You don't even have to write a review; just rate it. Um, yeah, because that helps me out in the algorithms. Whatever, if you listen to iTunes or on Spotify or what have you, that helps out when you review when you rate the show. So, I would greatly appreciate that. Okay, now I'm done talking. Let's get into this. Here's my conversation with Alec and Jay about minor league mayhem sixth. Let's get out and vote, people. Talk to you guys Sunday. Thanks, guys. All right, here we are on the fourth line, voice. It uh, it's that time. You know, it's bracket season and everything, so I figure we will start up the sixth annual minor league mayhem tournament. Sixty-four of the Iron League's toughest dudes, and I brought in two characters to help me break down our first round matchups. They're not other than, and you've heard them before on this show. I'm really the cream of the crop of guests here. Jay out in Iowa, and then I got old Alec from North Carolina of Five for Fighting uh, fame. Boys, how's it going tonight? I'm pretty good over here in the uh, in the Midwest, Darren. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. All good in North Kakalaki over here. You know, just sit here. We've been going on for about two hours before we even got going here, and I got the wife asking me if we're almost done. So tells you how the night's going, folks. Yeah, so Alec might be here for a couple of the matchups, and then he'll be, you, yeah, won't, hear him. you won't hear from him. Uh, Jay's going to break out the, I, I don't know, Royal Reserve or Iowa Reserve or whatever he's talking about over there. So, uh, yeah, so Darren might be finishing up the bracket here. But but speaking of drinking, Jay, what are you cracking here? You're kind of keeping with the theme of the thing. Oh, well, uh, well, since some podcasts actually have their own alcohol named after them. Yes. I went and found the old uh, Big Deal Brewing Spitting Chicklets beer. I thought, uh, I'll be a good guest. I'll, I'll provide a little bit of uh, excitement to your to your uh, listeners and give it the old honest the old honest review. So let's let's give her a go, huh? We're gonna give the, we're, riveting we're gonna radio a, for you folks. There we go. We're gonna get an on air review of Big Deal Brewing. I was telling these guys when we were off air. I said, Yeah, we're down in Vegas. I'm at Lee's Discount Liquor, which is this massive liquor store. And never even dawned on me to see if they had that beer there because I would have bought it and tried it out because we don't have it in Canada yet. How's that? It's, it's brewed by Labatt and it's not in Canada. What is that? And like I was telling you guys, it was it's fairly cheap too. Yeah, Darren, you've never asked me to do a Bush Light review on air. I'm, I feel a little <laughs> a little hurt by that, but it's okay. Yeah, wow. All right, let's, let's, let's give her a go here. It weighs in at a, a staggering 4.5%. Yeah. 
There we go. Oh, God, that's awful. Really? <laughs> really? Oh, that is that is not good. See, that's why that, that's why you didn't want me to review Bush Light. It's everything just couldn't huddle fucking torch to the old Bush lattes. So before we started, I had a uh, when we were just talking, I cracked open a Coors Light that was uh, two years and two months old. Oh my god! That I happened to find in the back of the fridge, and it was much better. Oh, this is it tastes it tastes like uh, Bush Light, but Really skunky bush light? Not good bush light? <laughs> I don't know thing? that I can... Would you say... Would you say... Together. Would you say... So, what that reminds you... Would you say it tastes closer to, like, Keystone? What it reminds me of is... I don't know if you'll remember this, Alec, and I don't know if you had access to it, Darren, but it rem- reminds me of uh, Milwaukee's best. <laughs> yeah. Like old Milwaukee? No, it was Milwaukee's no, best. No, yeah, it was Milwaukee's best. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> like, it, I have nothing against spitting chicklets or Labatt, but this is this is just terrible. Well, I will say. I'm going to drink it. I'm going to suffer through. I know. Like, because my dedication to Darren's listeners, I'm going to suffer through. But, yowza. Well, there we go. I will say, like, I know Labatt Canada, always a big thing here, a big brewery that's been around forever and ever, but I was never a Labatt fan. I don't like Labatt Blue. I'm not a fan of Labatt's beer, but... Uh, uh, no, I'm the same way. I've always liked Molson more than Labatt. Yeah, I'm not even a real big Molson fan, but I do like Molson more than Labatt, but I'm a Molson Canadian... You know, oh, my favorite! My favorite Canadian beer was Moosehead by far. Like Moosehead. Oh, I love me some Moosehead. I like Moosehead. Moosehead's good. Yeah, I like. I always say I'm very. I'm very lucky here in Saskatchewan. Like our local brewery, Great Western. I like it. It's good. So it's like I don't mind it. I like. Drink, I'll buy that. So it's like you know what the hell? Support local too. And then, but at least the beer is good. It's not like oh support local, but then you're choking the shit down. Like no, it's actually pretty good. I always buy Great West Light. Although I didn't tonight. Tonight I bought Rolling Rock. Yes, I love me some Rolling Rock. I would prefer Rolling Rock to this. I'd take a Bex over this. <laughs> Fuck, Bex, listen, to us, listen to us talking about beers. We sound like a hipster podcast. Well, this is I was a really, say, though, really great IPA infused with bicycle tire rubber and mulch. Well, I'm, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm popping out next, just so you guys have a... Uh, well, I was going to say, I'm giving you a fair a warning. Beer, we're getting a beer review from Mr. fucking Fig Leaf Ale here. So I'm like, anything, any domestic <laughs> swill he drinks, he's going to say it's garbage. You know, and then he's going to break out a nutmeg, uh, caramel-infused uh, squirrel nuts uh, IPA. You know, and then oh, this but is, I will delicious. drink it out of my stylish, uh, my stylish pint glass with the puck stuck in it, though. That is a good glass. Yeah, I was drinking out the whiskey glass with the puck stuck in it the other night. The one that I think you fuck you said that to me. I think. Yeah, it's it's the I like guess it's, it's both from the uh, it's a storm glass, but it's a pint yeah, glass. Yeah. Oh yeah, I had like the the whiskey glass for it. Yeah, the little um, little liquor glass. That's what the uh, the old peak performance rum will be drank out of soon. There you go. Well, God, that is awful. You have to chew it. <laughs> well, there you go. Fiber, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's making me sweat a little bit. <laughs> Hope the bathroom's not upstairs. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, you brought this on yourself, Darren. You brought this on yourself. Well, I always like the high. People have to know. Well, I like the fact that I I, re- I bring in some real quality guests for this show. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, people out there are like, thank God this fucking jackass doesn't have a, a podcast anymore at five for fighting. I'll tell you that much. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'll be getting any letters to re- revive this show anytime. I can tell soon. you in about seven more minutes, I'm not going to have a podcast anymore. <laughs> I'm going to get a letter from the network after this airs. Yeah, we know. You know that contract we haven't sent you. It ain't coming. Yeah, thank you for your service. Please stay off our server. Yeah, and stop here's here's your us. commemorative big pen. Yeah, exactly. And stop mentioning us. No more hash. Don't hashtag hashtag DraftKings anymore, please. Yeah. Fuck, they've asked us not to. You're hurting their business. Fuck. Yeah. Well, first things first. Let's talk about everybody's uh, NCAA bracket. No, we won't talk about any brackets. No. But uh, we did enough of that earlier talking about my gambling losses. Oh, why? Well, like I said, I started off the first day hot winning, but then after that, yeah, it's been yeah nothing but X's on the bracket. Actually, it was after who was it last night? Oh, when Dickinson won, beat Purdue, uh, ESPN tweeted out that yeah, 20 million brackets, they're all done from their website. <laughs> 20 million brackets that have been entered, they're all done. Yeah, so didn't even last the first week. First weekend, but but I can tell you what's going to happen here, folks. Is we have uh, this, like I said, the sixth annual minor league mayhem tournament. Sixty four guys um, put this together. Uh, computer generated the the uh, for anybody out there that wants to know how I came up with this. It was uh, computer generated, and whatever spit it out. That's that's what the matchups were, and. Uh, the computer was savage this year. This is um, these first round matchups are brutal, and um, yeah, and man, it's the the name of name. And I'm gonna everyone listening. I know they're oh, where's this guy and where's that guy? Well, like I always tell people, who would you take out? Seriously, it's not like we got bums in any of this. All these guys are like top notch dudes, and uh, yeah, I mean. Well, like we were saying off air, you could make a 300 man bracket, and you could, and you'd still have guys missing. I mean, it, the miners are just loaded, so um, yeah. Unfortunately, guys are going to be missed, but uh, I, I can't see anybody complaining about the 64 that are in this. And uh, and no. also, last year's winner, Steve McIntyre, is not in this year's. I always, every year, whoever won it, I always leave him out the next year just so we have something different. So Big Mac won last year, so he is not in this in this one, but uh, he will be back next year for the seventh annual. But uh, yeah, you guys, uh, what what uh, Jay? What did you think when I sent this to you today to get ready? I'm like, yeah, here's your bracket. Chew on this here, along with your Labatt beer. Well, I, I looked at the first couple matchups. I'm like, oh, that's not too bad, and then. Like, as soon as you get past the first two or three, which, I mean, it's still not easy to pick a winner. You go through this, and it's just, like, I, it's it's difficult to pick because it's, yeah, it's brutal. It's, it was way more difficult to pick than it was last year. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it seemed like it. Yeah, Alec, what did you figure? Same thing, eh? Well, I mean, unfortunately, I was running around a lot today, so I didn't have too, too much time to do homework on the bracket. But just going through and looking at it, I mean, of course, we talked about it before we got going. I mean, holy hell, have fun picking. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of matchups where I I will say 
that guys should go way further than they're going to because of this first round is what I'll is what I'll say because there's so many so many dudes out there where they just happen to run into like that one kryptonite guy maybe but they all these guys can go pretty far you know what I'm saying yeah yeah and that's the thing and I'm and I've got and I've of course <clears throat> I've done this tournament I've done the Probert ones I've done these tournaments for eight nine years now but it's like um. You always get the, well, that's a brutal first round matchup and, you know, and like that sucks and whatever. Like I remember, I think the one year in the, in the Bob Probert, the NHL tournament I do, I think like Dave Brown and LaRock were like in the first yeah. round and it's <laughs> like, oh, come on, man. Like that should be a, you know, and I'm like, you should, you should seed them. I'm like, well, yeah, but then people would argue with me about the seeding. Well, why is he a 16? He should be an eight. Yeah, like, you know, that would happen, right? So it's like. Why isn't he a one and all this shit? I'm like, he can't win no matter what you do. So it's like, I'm just going to let the computer pick it and let the chips fall where they may. And yeah, you do get some matchups where it's like, oh shit. You know, like that should almost be like a final four matchup. But unfortunately, we're doing it in round one. So that's the way that falls. So um, yeah, that's just what happens. So it's <laughs> yeah, and it's and, and like the, guy, the guys that I picked to win. Yeah, it's absolutely no slight to the guy who didn't win, but I mean, I mean, half the time it's it's damn near a coin toss. Yeah, it really is. Well, yeah, and like that's the thing, right? You can't say, "Well, I'll draw." Well, like, no, we have to pick someone because they have to advance. So it's like, and that's the other thing, like doing this bracket. And I've always said this, like, um, I like all these guys that are in this tournament. Like, I'm a fan of all 64 of these guys. And it's like, so it's not like when we're doing this breakdown show and I pick this guy over that guy, it's not like, cause I think this other guy's a piece of shit or something like that. It's like, no, it's just whatever. I'm just trying to picture it in my head and I can't pick a draw. And like, and that's the thing, like most of these fights I would, I actually probably pick a draw. It's like, well, they'd hit each other a few times and you know, and that would be it. Like, I can't see any, you know, there's a couple maybe, but it's like, it's not like, oh, this guy, he'd end this guy. Like, no, there isn't any of those matchups in here, really. And so it's like, but you can't pick a draw. You got to pick someone to win. So for those X players that maybe perhaps, I know there'll be some that are listening that are actually in this tournament. If we pick against you, well, for me anyway, it's nothing personal. I mean, Jay might be making it personal. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm just saying I'm not making it personal. See how I'm Teflon? I'm going to slide right out of this. <laughs> I might not even give an opinion on these fights. I'll just let my guests do it, and I'll just move things along. How's that? That's how Darren does it. He just plays Switzerland and just fucking leaves you in the dust. Absolutely. That's why I'm Canadian. Basically, right? basically with me, if you play in the UHL, you win. That, that's that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, like, if there's two UHL, two, two UHL guys fighting, I'll scratch off somebody from another bracket and just put that guy in, and he advances, too. Yeah, see, I, I, it's the Canadian in me. I just apologize. So I was like, ah, sorry, I have to pick you. I can't pick you. But no, I will fucking put, I will say, I'll say who I think would win. So we won't do that. I won't hang that one on you guys. But, uh, well, I think I'm sure the people are done listening to our beer reviews and our yapping. Um, let's, they're like, let's get into this already. So we're going to start off with a bang. And actually, it's a veteran enforcer. Uh, for I'm, I'm hitting these youngsters with a with an oldie but a goodie. Uh, first round matchup, first fight of the tournament is old Archie Henderson versus Curtis Tidbull. 
And I'm going to start with our the youngest guy on the panel, old Alec. Alec, what did you think of this matchup, and who do you got? Well, I got to say, you know, Archie Henderson, tough dude, and unfortunately there's not a crazy amount of footage out there of him. No. But, um, you know, not a bad matchup with Tidball. And Tidball is one of those guys where he wasn't a power puncher. He's going to stay in the pocket and just throw it. I mean, we've seen many of his fights in the LNH where he's just throwing right down the pipe. And he, Tidball is a guy, he might not win them all, but he'll come up at every time, no matter what, almost kind of like a John Morash. He comes out smiling, pumping up the crowd. Um, and maybe it's just because I'm more familiar with Tidball. I think given the, the, the fighters that he fought during this time in the LNH, because of course he was in there in his prime too, like right there with the Radio X and everything circa like 05, 06. I'll give a slight edge to Tidball. Um, but it's not, I, I'm not going to, if somebody said Henderson, I'm not going to be upset either, you know? Jay? Yeah, it's, there might be a little bit of recency bias, but, and, and I'll admit, I don't. I know almost nothing about Archie Henderson aside from you know what what you mentioned and the little bit of footage I could find online. And I'll admit, Curtis Tidball's been one of my favorites. I mean, when he was in the in the U-Haul League, he would fight everybody. There's a hell of a fight on YouTube of him and uh, Steve McIntyre when McIntyre was in Quad City and Tidball was in Elmira. Um, and like you know, uh, excuse me, like Alex said, he was never that you know that huge power puncher, but he would go with anybody. He'd hang with anybody. So I, I, I got to give it to Tidbull. Well, I think Tidbull would. I think Tidbull would get him on volume. Is what I really think would be would would be the deciding factor. All right. Well, moving on. No, okay. I'll give my opinion. Um, <laughs> I will actually. I will first of all say I love Curtis Tidbull. He is tremendous. Um, yeah, like you said, LNH fought everybody down in the U-Haul. Fought anybody, Flint Generals and all that stuff. Uh, well, I, I can remember from the BC Junior League. I got footage of him playing for uh, Burnaby and stuff. Um, yeah, Tidbull's awesome. His brother was awesome. His younger brother, uh, Brandon. Um, so I'm a big fan of the Tidbull family in general. Um, but old Archie, especially back then in the 80s and stuff, dude's 6'6". So, I mean, Matt, like that's big by today's standard. So he's like goddamn giant back then. Um and I can just remember I, some of the footage you see old Archie rocking the Cooperalls, the full pants there, and uh, skinny dude, but he's in there swinging. Um, fought Probert down in the American League. Um, I think Probert talks about fighting him in the in his book. Um, Archie had a had a big rep in the American League, and unfortunately, not a lot of footage of him out there. But uh, there is some on YouTube, and uh, I just think uh, with the rep that he had and the stories that I've heard and the little bit that I've seen. Uh, just a big dude. I will go the opposite way, and I got Archie beating Tidbull. Uh, but it wouldn't be for lack of effort on Tidbull's part. Like you said, that dude, he'll stand there and swing with anybody. And uh, and like you said, unfortunately, you can't call a draw, so you got to pick somebody. So I will go with the old uh, with old Archie. But uh, yeah, that's a hell of a fight to start the uh, start the tournament off. And uh, yeah, that'll be a good one. But. Uh, and that'll be interesting to see how the voting goes, too. But the next one, we got another uh, kind of a veteran, kind of named tough guy. The shoe, Bruce Shoebottom, taking on the buzzsaw, Andy Bezo. Um, Jay, what are, you, what are you thinking here? Um, this is another one where I'm, I've seen some footage of him, but I'm not extremely familiar with Shoebottom. Um, I'm a little more familiar with Bezo. It was his time in uh, the Colonial League, his time with Fort Wayne, and 
there's a lot of people I've talked to who saw him firsthand and said he, yeah, he was just a buzzsaw. <sighs> this another one was really difficult for me, but I, I had to go with Bezo on it. Alec, I'm going to go opposite here. I got to say Bruce Shoebottom. Um, I'll give give the nod to the the older cat here versus Bezo, and there's no, no slight on Bezo, but. Um, I know the footage is kind of limited out there on Bruce Shoebottom, but you look at his stuff, and he fought you know, a pretty prime eh, – it was before McSorley got to L.A., but he fought Marty McSorley and actually did very well against him. I think Shoebottom was – I don't think he was at the Bruins at the time. I think he was with um, – not New England, fucking uh, Hartford. Um, did very well and actually popped him with a really good right hand. Um and I wish there was more of his minor pro stuff out there because, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff we get is just his stuff when he was with the Bruins. But And the stuff I've seen um, and just kind of the volume of fights he's had, uh, given his stuff with the minor league and then Marty McSorley and he fought McGuire and Hartman. He actually had a really good toe-to-toe fight with Hartman. Um, I got to give the nod to, to Shoe Bottom here. Uh, Bezo, he's definitely a scrappy guy for sure. But I think Bezo um, doesn't quite. I, I can't remember what's Bezo's size off the top of my head. Oh, Bezo, maybe five. Yeah, eight, five eight. I was gonna say nine. I don't think I, I. I was that's what I thought. I didn't think he was over five. I was thinking less than six foot. I think Shoebottom's got the size on him and just maybe a little bit of the experience. So I'll go. I'll go old school here. I'll give Bruce Shoebottom the nod against Bezo. There you go. Um, I agree with you. Actually, I would take. That's the one thing. I again, um, Shoebottom. I've seen some of his stuff. Um, I know in Maine he was a big, big hit with the like in the Bruins farm system with the Mariners. Uh, people would actually literally throw shoes on the ice, cheered for him. Um, <laughs> he actually, I know later on in his career, right towards right at the end, uh, when he was playing for the Oklahoma City Blazers, I know he got into a fight in the penalty box and actually got choked out by the Tulsa police force by a Tulsa cop. <laughs> and he ended up having a lawsuit against the Tulsa police. I don't know how that ended up. There's video of that on YouTube though. Yeah, he uh, got pepper sprayed and then choked out and. Yeah, that's a pretty wild scene down in the old Central League. Um, but yeah, when he played up in the American League and then was up with the Bruins for a little bit. Um, yeah, bigger dude. Like 6'2", bigger guy. Um, the one thing with Bezo, I like Bezo when he ran around. He was crazy and everything like that. Um, to be complete, and I don't mean it like in a mean way or whatever. I don't really know how... I never really saw Andy Bezo the fighter, really. Like, I don't know how... He seemed like he'd, he'd get in there, he'd fight everybody, he'd swing and swing, but he'd kind of kind of had like this Terry O'Reilly style. Like, he'd fall down right away and get up and throw some more and go down again and throw some more and undersized guy. And I don't know, I was never... I never... Uh, I don't know, I just think Shoebottom would control him a little bit and just kind of have yeah. a size on him. And um, <clears throat> Yeah, I would give Shoebottom the win on this, but... But uh, but Bezo, yeah, there was never a dull moment when that cat was on the ice. That's for sure. He's running around and crazy dude, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, you watch the old footage and like that guy goes, he skates a million miles an hour and just like runs people and just he's kind of got this mixture of like Garrett Hunt and like Morasty, and it's like yeah, yeah, and he's just like he. I mean, if you if he was on your team and you were like a season ticket holder, like I know, buddy, there's Scott there in Fort Wayne. You just watch him, but it was like, oh, he was insane, man. You know, and he had like 500 minutes that year and shit. Like, yeah, the stories of Bezo are pretty legendary. Um, but yeah, I would have to go with the shoe on this one. But, um, oh, now I X'd out here. Hold on. All right, fight number three. Now, this will be interesting. Um, Mike Segroy against John Baduke. Uh, Alec, what are we saying here? 
This is a tough one, and this was one right off the rip where I was like, oh, shit, I don't know who to go for, really. But at the end of the day, I, I think I got to give the slight nod to um, Mike Segroy. And I think it's just a, a fact that, you know, Baduke was coming up at a time where the role started to become specialized, but I think Mike Segroy was in that era where it became – it was almost like a trained fighter on skates at that point. You know, you got Segroy's MMA background, and he just genuinely loves to fight. And he was just that uh, that one step away. Like, and I think we, you know he said it, and he wouldn't you know tell you otherwise. But he could have been an NHL regular, most likely, at least for a season or two, um, if it weren't for some of his off ice stuff, or you know maybe the uh, that the mentality he had going in it, you know, kind of the ego or whatever. Um, but Segroy is one of those guys. He's got, he's almost uh, one of those kind of like could have been guys. Like what would have happened if we could have seen him in the NHL? And John Baduke, no slight to him, very tough dude. And I mean, he went toe to toe with Frank Bialowicz. That was a really good tilt. Um, but I just I got to give the slight nod to Segroy. I think he's got the size and then that that training in that era where it was just such a specialized point of the role of enforcing where Segroy just has the edge in fighting. Jay. What's funny is Alec actually kind of touched on something that I had uh, had written down here is that, you know, Segroy is that kind of almost, you know, what could have been guy. Um, I got to see a little bit down in the U. Like, he was a hell of a skater, too. But, you know, that was he was that kind of specialized guy. I mean, absolutely no slight to him, and, you know, may he rest in peace. But, I mean, Garrett Burnett got a, got a, a year in the NHL. Yep. And that was the era where you know Segroy could have easily spent a year in the in the NHL. He was that tough, and he he could I think he could outskate Burnett pretty easily. Um, he's got a little bit of size on Baduke. I mean, Baduke is a he, he's a bad dude, but I I got to give the edge to Segroy. Yeah, I um, I agree, uh, Baduke. Yeah, Baduke's one of those. He's an old time, early nine, late eighty, early nineties WHL guy. Um, just, you know, one of them, you know, uh, you know, big old farmers, um, you know, final three seasons of the Western league, he picks up 300 minutes with, uh, Portland and shit. Uh, then he goes on to pro. Um, I think there's a, there's a YouTube video of him and like Louis Bedard just going sneaky with Tallahassee and climbing the penalty box and starting a brawl. That's on the YouTube and <laughs> yeah, Paduke. And I think he, uh, I think when he played for the Miami Matadors in the East coast league, I think, uh, when when old coach Steve Martinson was coming across the ice, I think Baduke popped him. Uh, that got him suspended. And uh, <laughs> Baduke climbed the glass in the penalty box. Like he was, uh, he was a crazy dude, uh, but a tough guy for sure. Uh, you know, some le- legendary WHL stories of that guy. And I'm and yes, folks, I am actively pursuing to get him on the show. I've got some irons in the fire. Hopefully, it'll work out. Um, he said he'd do it, so I just got to get a got to get a hold of him somehow here. But, uh, but Segroy, you know, Alec and I have both had on the show. He's a great guest. Um, very active on social media. He's a good dude. I enjoy talking to him. Um, and yeah, he, uh, it's, it's too bad. Like you said, from his own admission, he, uh, kind of screwed some things up. But yeah, he should have definitely had some NHL time. He had NHL toughness. He had NHL size. Like, I mean, I think he's about 6'4, 6'5. He's a big dude. And, uh, you know, down in the American League, I mean, he fought all those guys, Morasti and Gillis and McGratton and Bonvi and all of them and was right there with them. And, you know, I was going to say, well, we just had the anniversary of the St. Patrick's Day fight with McGratton and that's a fucking beauty. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's like, yeah, and he and he was a good player, like even uh, 
like we're, like uh, like Jay was saying, um, you know, I know in the East Coast League, you know, uh, you know, point to game guy in a couple seasons there, and it's like so, you know, it it was like well, I think I just looked thirty one games, he had like thirty two points or something. I mean, you know, and he had twelve goals the one time I think in Albany, and so I mean, yeah, he had a clue what was going on. He wasn't just a designated meat meat stick. I mean, he could skate and he had the size and yeah, he's he's a tough dude. And uh yeah, I would I would give the edge to uh Segura in this fight. But uh but John Baduke is such a his his number is actually retired in Syracuse. If there's a banner he has a banner up in the rafters. So Baduke was definitely a fan favorite and uh tough guy for sure, but I gotta give Segura the edge in this one. Um why do I keep minimizing the screen? Okay. What kind of host are you? I know. No, what are we doing here? <laughs> okay. Next one. That's an interesting one. We got Hurricane Mitch Fritz versus uh, PL3, Pierre-Luc LeBlanc. Jay, what say you? This was the first one where I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable you know, with both guys' kind of resumes and following both their careers a little bit. I mean, the first thing with Mitch Fritz is like, he is a monster of a human being. Mm-hmm. He's what six six seven six eight. Got to be close to two fifty, if not right there. Um, I was I was a big fan of his. You know, watching him in the in the East Coast League for a couple of years um, before he made the jump to excuse me AHL. He uh, he played for Islanders, I think, for yep a handful of games. Yep. Um, but I got to say that that PL three. He, he is one of the toughest human beings I have ever seen. He put an end. Um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with Jonathan Trombley, who say the rumor is didn't lose a fight for two years in the uh, in the Quebec Junior League. Yep. He put an end to uh, the Hammers' unbeaten streak when they were both in the UHL. Uh, LeBlanc was in Adirondack, and, and Trombley was in Kalamazoo. Um, and that was the only fight that Trombley lost that year in the UHL. And he, he is just a just a, a monster of a human being as well. Not, not as big, but as strong as an ox. And I think LeBlanc gets inside and, and uh, definitely takes takes the W from uh, the hurricane. Alec? I got to agree with Jay. You know, I love Mitch Fritz. Um, you know, he came up with the lightning system, so I'm a little familiar with him. Funny, he was the only other one to wear 36 on the lightning besides uh, Andre Y, I think, which was kind of funny. Um you know, he's got the size like Jay had mentioned, but LeBlanc, and maybe it's just because LeBlanc is fresh in my memory because he, he was up for a game with, uh, I think it was Trois-Rivières, so three rivers up there in Quebec uh, last year in the East Coast League. And, you know, I the, the, funny, there was a YouTube channel that had that fight up there. It's, it's a shame you can't watch it anymore. wonder what happened to that YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, gratuitous, yeah, terrible. Who wants, who wants fans promoting their league? Um, but... I think LeBlanc has more of the killer instinct than Fritz. I know a lot of people will point to the Fritz fight versus uh, LaRock, which was a great fight, but I think LaRock was very... By the time he got to Montreal, I think he was kind of disinterested in everything and was ready to kind of pack it in. Um, but I, I think LeBlanc gets the inside edge on Fritz and kind of uses... Even though Fritz has the size, LeBlanc uses it kind of against him and gets in tight and is able to outwork Fritz, I think. It's not going to be... I don't think Fritz is getting KO'd or anything, but I just think uh, LeBlanc gets him, gets him uh, on points there. Yeah, with Fritz, I remember... Of course, I saw him in junior with Kelowna, with Kelowna's huge run of monster tough guys that they had, and he stormed through the Western League. 
Um, so I was always interested to see how he would do in pro. And uh, yeah, massive guy. Um, but man, like you said, there. Yeah, he had the fight against George there, and I mean that was a big win because Larock is, La- you know, George George, right? He's one of the best. <laughs> right. Ever. But you know, Fritz kind of got the win on him, and but like you said, kind of you know that was beat up. Not making excuses, but you know, George was beat up at the time with Montreal bad shoulders, and you know, um, if that's Larock from the Oilers, yeah, I don't think for I, you don't think Fritz is getting that win, but. But he had the size where he could do it, right? He could. He had enough size that he could pick up, right? But I, I always think the thing with with Fritz, I don't know. I don't know if he was a real huge for the size that he was. I don't know if he was a real big power guy, and for as big as he was, um, I'm not going to say who, but I've heard they called him a pillow puncher. So that's not me saying it. That was. I think it might have been someone. I'm not going to attach a name to it, but I can't remember. I think it was someone on my show was talking about him. They weren't really impressed with Fritz. We'll put it that way. I can't remember who it was now, but anyway, um, but LeBlanc, uh, if anybody wants to hear a really good interview, please go back and check out my interview with Pierre-Luc LeBlanc, really nice guy, gave a great interview, um, but what a career, played forever, fought everyone, his fight card is insane, and yeah. um, he kind of, he obviously downplayed it when he was on my show, but and he didn't give himself any credit, but this dude, yeah, like he's tougher than a $2 steak, man, like LeBlanc could take it. Marath- like the fight, just the fight with Cam Jansen alone is ridiculous. That fight when he the Jansen first came back in uh, New Jersey or whatever. But yeah, I mean LeBlanc was awesome. Like I said, fought everybody and he won uh, way more than he lost. And uh, I would actually give LeBlanc the win in this fight as well. Um, again, like Jay, I don't think it's gonna be some big knockout or anything like that because Fritz just has the size, but. I think LeBlanc would eventually just kind of work inside on him and just uh, win on points, we'll put it that way. But um, <laughs> this next fight, this is one of these fights It's just like, yeah, why, man? Like, come on. <laughs> uh, Josh Gratton versus Frank Bialoas. Um Yeah. Alec, what do you figure? Well, I mean, Josh Gratton is tough as nails, and for anybody that doubts his toughness, go look at his fight versus um, Brian McGratton. That'll tell you all you need to know about who Josh Gratton is. Um, but and like I, I think I was talking about this before we got going. When you look at a guy like Frank Bialois and you look at his fight footage, and if you overview his entire career, even including you know his time in the L and H, which I think who's who was Sherbrooke, right yep. at the very end there, yep. yeah. You even look at at his fights there towards the end of his career, um, you can maybe count. Fuck, I mean, like fifteen's even being generous. Maybe ten losses from Bylos in his career. I mean, his 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 fight career or his fight totals in terms of win loss record, which I know you know in hockey fights doesn't mean too too much, but for the sake of the tournament, you know, you got to take that into account. Bylos did not lose many. I mean, nor did Josh Gratton, but at the same time, Bylos was. I mean, he was just a fucking killer. So I got to give the slight nod to Bylos because he was also one of those guys too where. Um, the code was you know, never fucking heard of it. He didn't give a shit. He's hitting you while you're down. Who gives a fuck? Um, so I got to give by Lois the nod over Gratton here. There's no slight to Gratton because he's tougher than a $2 steak, like you said. Yep. Jay? Uh, Alex, reading my notes here, I I got I to gotta side with him. Um, Gratton's got a little bit, a little bit taller, but by Lois was built like a refrigerator with a head, man. And he had that switch that would flip, and he'd just go crazy. I mean, 
look at his time. He, he played five games for Danbury, and he had damn near 80 PIM in five games. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, that, that's – hell, there's, there's three-quarters of the league nowadays doesn't get 80 PIMs. And he did in five games. And that's the that's the U-Haul League circa 05, where it probably took quite a bit to get 80 pims at that time. Yeah, you're you're not getting a you're not getting two minutes for slashing a guy on the ankle. No, I mean you're you're getting two minutes for punching a guy in the face with your fist. It, it took it took something to get the penalty box back then. But he, I all the respect in the world to Gratton, he did it for so long. Um, you know, he did it in Russia. He did it in the ECHL at the end of his career with South Carolina, but. You know, they, they both got some games in the show. I don't think Bialo is three or four, maybe. Um, but I, I, I got to give the edge to the animal. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing with Josh, well, like Alex said, yeah, the fight with Brian McGratton might be the, I would say that's that's in my top 10 hockey fights of all time. The Gratton Bialo, or the Gratton uh, McGratton. Josh Gratton versus Brian McGratton. That's really fun to say. (laughs) Yeah. And then the Josh Gratton Colton Orr fight from the American League as well, when Colton Orr is in Providence, that fight is unbelievable too. Um, Yeah, Gratton was awesome. Fought everybody. Like Jay said, been around forever. Um, Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, Gratton's awesome. I love Josh Gratton. The guy's awesome. And then with Bialois, like you said, it's one thing when when you watch the videos of it, and a lot of his fights were kind of like, He's kind of got the Tony Twist thing going a little bit. Like he's he's big, yeah. he, he's strong, and he's like squat. Like yeah, he's gonna be like six feet. But I mean, he's massive. At one time, I, I believe he was like, was he Mister Manitoba or something? Like he was a bodybuilder. Like he was. I, like, know, yeah, I, say, I know he did bodybuilding. Like, yeah, he, like yeah. Actually, like competed in shows, like full on, like spray tan and fucking like stage stage lights, everything. Yeah. So he's like Mister Winnipeg or something, or Mister Manitoba, something like that. So obviously, the dude's jacked. Strong as shit, six feet tall, like, and just, yeah, I think he would just, and he would just yank guys and just throw these wild punches and his hair is flying all over the place. And like you said, not afraid to like, he'd fight however you want. Like, I know there's a fights with like Richie Walcott on, on YouTube. He just like headbutts the shit out of him, you know, and it's like <laughs> in those East Coast League fights. And he's just like, he's an, yeah, he is an animal and he would punch guys when they're down and shit. He didn't care. And yeah, Bialos was an animal and I could just see him like with fighting Gratton and it's like, He'll go toe to toe for a little bit, but it's like he's eventually going to pull you around and yank you around, and I could just see him kind of mauling Gratton a little bit, and it's just, yeah, but by Lois, and like I said, you got to, yeah, you watch those by Lois DVDs, especially when you can like watch all his stuff like right in a row, and you start, yeah, like you start realizing it's like yeah, you're watching it, and watching it, and watching it, and you're like. 25 minutes into this DVD and you're like, this motherfucker hasn't lost a fight yet. You know? <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, all right, like, and it's just this mauling animal, like, after you get the nickname, but it's just like, yeah, it is. It's just like he just mauls these guys. And it's like. Oh, and he's got the Undertaker hair when, like, WWE was yeah. in his fucking prime. And it's like, it's just, you, it's so, it's like the pinnacle of minor pro hockey enforcers is Frank Bialois. Like, he's a guy who, honestly, if he won the tournament, I wouldn't be surprised, which I, I think he has. Has he won in the past? He hasn't, but he's been close. But, I was gonna yeah. say I thought he I thought he got close one year. Yeah, oh yeah, he's been close every year. But yeah, it's a, uh, but yeah, and you could just see it, and he's just you could tell people are scared of him. And I will say that's one thing he played the role, and like well, Doug Smith famously fought him and got his eye closed and whatever. But it's just like 
the, they probably told Bialoas to not fight who, this Doug Smith guy. Like, don't fight it. Who is this? Just some clown they called up. Don't bother. Frank didn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, we're going. All right. You know, and it's like, he didn't give a shit. He'll fight everybody. So, yeah, guys, he definitely earned the nickname The Animal. And, uh, yeah, I got Bialoas winning this one, too. But um, the next one, uh, we got uh, Tyler Willis versus Sean Legault. Yeah, like I said, folks, these don't get it easier. Uh, Jay, what are you saying here? Oh, uh, this, this wasn't this wasn't fair, man. This this ripped my hard knock because that's two of my favorites right there. Yep. Um, kind of opposite end of the spectrum. You got Tyler Willis. He was the captain on his team for years in Kalamazoo. You know, playing every situation, and then you got Sean Legault, who is you know the, the guy whose switch could flip. He's that nuclear deterrent out there every time. You never know what he's going to do. You know, a, a pretty a pretty big size difference between the two. Um, one thing that stuck out to me about Sean Legault, he had a 365-pin season in Elmira, and he was third on his team in penalty minutes that year. <laughs> uh, Behind uh, John Murphy and Brad Wingfield, who had uh, 408 and 472, respectively. Um, I, I can see, you know, Willis is just infamous for running his mouth. I mean, you can look on look on the Roadhogs documentary yep. with uh, you know, chirping, chirping, chirping Jason Ralph. Um, but I, I, I think Tyler Willis you know, gets Lego to go and then legs just legs takes it. He's, he uses his size, he uses his strength and he just, just goes crazy. And I, I, this is one of the ones where on actually on my bracket here. I just got a couple question marks. Because it's one of the ones where I I did want to pick a winner, because I think either of these guys could have gone you know two three four wins deep, but I I got to go with Sean McGough. Alec, I got to agree, and you know, well, first let me say, <laughs> fucking Willis. Um, <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, you have to just if you if you don't want to watch the full documentary of the Roadhogs, just look up like Mic'd Up in the UHL or whatever. One of the most legendary hockey videos out there, and you'll you'll know exactly what the kind of guy Tyler Willis was. Yep. Um, and Tyler Willis definitely a scrappy dude, undersized, and I mean, fuck, he'd go toe to toe real quick, but he's just he didn't have that size and he didn't have that punching power. And you look at a guy like Lego who was just a fucking manimal. I, I got to give the nod to Lego, and that's no slight to Willis at all. And it was actually cool to see. I, I think it was actually last season that Kalamazoo retired Willis's number finally after all these years. Man, uh, I wanted to go to that game so bad. Yeah, so it shows you how much the guy actually meant to the franchise and what kind of player Willis actually was. And uh, you know, all the credit in the world to him for doing what he did. But I got to give the nod to uh, Lego here. Yeah, well, again, I echo what you guys say. Yeah, Willis was awesome. I love Tyler Willis. Um, just toe to toe, you know, remember from the dub playing in Seattle and shit. And he's this undersized, you know, like whatever, five, eight, like one seventy, you know, and just giving her shit. And then he watched the American league stop. He has the great fight with PJ stock in the American league and yep. toe to toe. And then, um, the, the great fight with, uh, Ashley Langdon and the, in the West coast league. And, you know, and then he has the battles and the, you know, he's just all over the place. Like I said, it was in Kalamazoo forever. And yeah, he, um, He's an action fighter, video fighter. Like, you'll never get bored watching a Tyler Willis fight, that's for sure. And then Sean Legault, I mean, he was a mean bastard, man. And he was not afraid. Um, oh, I actually had the had the pleasure of meeting him at Ice Wars this year in Edmonton. He lives in Edmonton. He's a carpenter, runs a woodworking uh, place. Um, 
Makes some really nice shit, too. Um, but uh, he looked great, too. I told him, I said, why aren't you in Ice Wars? He looked like he just stepped right off from his playing <laughs> days. He could rock and roll right now. And I think when I brought it up to him at the after Ice Wars 2, because he didn't see the first one, and then Cade, Cade brought him to the second one, and we, I sat with him the whole thing. And I think the old I think the old Elmira vibes were happening a little bit halfway through. I think Legault was getting a little jumpy. Like, like he wanted to get in there and try some of these guys. And uh, I told him afterwards, I should, yeah, you should get into Ice Wars. He didn't say no. We'll put it that way. It was like I don't know. Maybe we could talk him into it. But he looked he looked, he looked good. Like he could still rumble. And uh, man, he, if, if if you could have Sean Legault from that Francis Lassard fight in Ice Wars nowadays, there, there'd be there'd be a lot of scared guys out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I was gonna say, yeah, I just put up his fight with Francis Lassard in the American League on my on my Facebook page, and it's like, yeah, they're hammering each other. And, uh, but it was funny. Legault told some good stories. And he also told me he calls, uh, when he would, uh, swing his stick and hit guys in the back of the legs. He goes, you got to wind up in it. I'd call it around the world. And he'd, he goes, you really got to get your, your momentum into it if you're going to chop a guy in the back of the legs. And, uh, <laughs> and he told me a pretty funny story. I'm trying to get him on the podcast, folks. And, uh, I'll get him to tell the story on the air. But, uh, he, uh, he didn't care and he would fight anybody. And, uh, I would, I would give the, this would be a great fight and I would just give it to Legault for the simple, for the simple reason for size. Um, just a bigger dude and I think he would just sort of, just his power I think would eventually sort of take over. But you know, Willis is just gonna stand there and nobody's going down and, um, both are gonna eat a few and both are gonna throw a few. So, but I will give Legault the uh, edge in this one, but that, this would be an unbelievable fight. Um, well, the next one, well, we got a current guy playing. This is a little different. Um, Alex from the famous Gallant family, Alex Gallant versus massive Rob Skurlak. Um, Alec, what are you thinking here? So, you know, I love, I love Rob Skurlak. And of course he had that infamous, it was before the game started. It was the pregame fight. And it was, I want to say it was with Burnett, correct? Yeah, yes, it was. Off the top of my head. Yeah. And I mean, if you folks go out there, look at the fight. Let's just look up Rob Skurlak versus uh, old Garrett Burnett there. No linesman, nothing. You know, it's just out there pregame and before everybody gets off the ice. Um, or excuse me, everybody's already left the ice, but those two are still out there and they're fighting and there's no linesman to break it up. It's just going. Uh, I highly recommend you checking that out. And I know Alex Gallant is also a current guy, and you see some of his – he's still fighting today, although I don't think he's had too, too many this year. I think Brett's had more this season so far. But I'm sure they're you – know, I don't think people are really lining up real quick to fight Alex or um, Brett Gallant there. So he actually, uh, amazing, I'm sure he, he actually amazingly fought twice the other night in one game. Actually, yeah, you're, yeah he was with the, uh, the Wranglers, right? In Calgary, yep. Yeah, the Calgary Wranglers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, and Skirlik has size, and Alex Gallant. He's a still a tough, tough customer, and uh, you know you see him and his brother. Which and, and I totally agree with you when you say probably Brett Gallant is probably the toughest dude in hockey right now for sure. Um, I will give the slight edge to Skirlik though over Alex Gallant. I think I think Skirlik is able to get his size. And use it to his advantage and get in on Alex Gallant. But again, I don't think I don't think anybody's getting KO'd or you're gonna have to scrape up Alex Gallant off the ice. Alex Gallant is an absolute bulldog. Um, but I'll give the I'll give the nod to Skurlak here. Jay, Alex, speaking of my notes again, um, I'm a big fan of Alex Gallant. 
Uh, he's one of the few guys who started his career in the SPHL and then actually maintained it and then went up to the AHL. And he's been up there for seven, eight years, which goes to say a lot because he is that kind of, you know, 13th forward out there in the AHL, which doesn't happen anymore. No. But, you know, Skirlas got 60 pounds on him, half a foot on him, and Skirlock came up in that time where there was there was animals on every team. So, you know, he was battle tested against everybody. I had that that warm up fight's one of my favorite fights. Just because <laughs> I, I love you know, the the kind of sideshow of minor league hockey and it doesn't get better than a fight in warm ups. No. But yeah, I gotta I gotta go go with what Alex said. I gotta give give Skirlock the edge. Yeah, there's no nobody's getting knocked out, nobody's go you know, get an eye closed. But I, I think Skirlock takes it. Well, um, yeah, I mean, this would be a great fight. And like you were saying, the thing you were going to say with Gallant, though, it's like, you know, especially in this day and age, um, I think I say it every year, and it's not, I don't mean it as a slight to either of them. I'm, I'm a massive fan of both of them with the Gallant brothers. But I'm like, I, every time they re-sign, I'm like, shit, I can't believe they got another deal in the American League. Just with the way hockey's going, I'm just surprised by right. it. And it's like, but I think, and like you ask anybody that knows them and everything else, I think it really, you know, for, you know, to get away from the fighting and all that stuff. But I think it obviously really speaks to their character that they're sticking around this long. It's not by accident. It's like, they're obviously their room guys and, and everything else. And I mean, obviously they're super tough too, but, um, you know, at the same time, you're not putting them out on the second power play unit or anything. They're there for a reason. And, uh, and in this day and age, that's, that's rare, especially in like a, an American league where it's like a big time prospect league. And, and these guys would both fall under veteran status too. And so right. for, for them to stick around in today's hockey with the vet rules in the American league, making the money that they're making, it's, uh, it's surprising. So they obviously bring more to the table than just fighting and stuff. But to get back to the fighting part, um, yeah, like Gallant, I mean, you can't question his toughness. I mean, him and his brother are probably the two toughest guys in the league, actually, in the American League, probably. I mean, I mean, it's not like it's like there's a huge pool there, but still, it's like, I mean, and Alex Gallant could easily come up to the NHL and take a fucking round at anybody in the NHL. Yeah, for like, sure. really, who in the NHL's beating him? Like, you know, like Reeves and Lucic. I mean, they'd give him a good fight, but they're not going to kill him. Like, Milan Lucic isn't going to kill Alex Gallant in a fight. Like, no. No, I'm not saying Gallant would kill Lucic, but it's just like he could come up and easily be a tough guy, like a top guy in the NHL as well. Right. So, so it's like, yeah, I mean, just a bad dude, man. And then Skurlak, like I said, I've watched him since junior when he was in Kamloops. Massive guy. Had the big rivalry with Parker and all those guys. Um, was in Albany, it seemed like forever. I think he was there for like seven or eight years. Um, fought everybody. Um, had a little run there in the NHL, played a few games, but yeah, just a mountain and, um, it'd be interesting. I like, I like, again, can't, can't pick draw. Right. So, um, I, I would, I would probably take Skrillac just for the simple fact that I think, um, I actually think this fight would be a draw, but I have to pick a winner for the sake of this. Right. Yeah. So I would, I think, um, I would. Ju- I think Skirlak would just 
man, I think he would just sort of smother Gallant, really, and just kind of just use his size and overtake him. And yeah, I would give Skurlak the win on points. We'll put it that way. All right. Uh, yeah. So the final round or the final matchup in the first round. Uh, this, I think this is actually the hardest. For me, this was the hardest one. Uh, Patrick Cote versus Jerry Fleming. Uh, Alec, where are we going with this? <sighs> Fleming is such a tough customer, but oh. for me, man, it's just that when I think of Patrick Cote, you know, I know people will think of it when he was a Dallas or Nashville, but I'm thinking prime Jack to the gills, nothing but whey protein, chicken and rice yeah. out there in Laval. Not many people were beating that kind of Pat Cote, and that's who I think about for this tournament. So I got to go Cote here. Jay? Yeah, like like Alex said, I, you know, I, we didn't really clarify at the start, but when I look at this, I look at guys who are in their absolute prime and, you know, bumping that chicken and whey protein diet in Quebec. <laughs> there's There's not many people on the planet that are stopping Pat Cote. No. No, I mean, when you got a dude that's like 275 and like, and not tying down and like, yeah, it's, and, and I mean, Fleming's massive. I mean, Fleming's six, four, six. I mean, he had some awesome fights. You go back and watch that old nineties Fredericton stuff. And he's like fighting Link and Rocky and like, and Bashir, uh, not Bashir, uh, Bonvi. And it's just like, um, Oh, Fleming, he was awesome. Oh, he's awesome. Oh, yeah, Jerry Fleming awesome. was awesome. It, yeah. But I just, like, with Cote, like, I think he could stand there and take those shots. But I could just, like you said, I think if we're going, yeah, like, prime, no, you know, how I could just see him getting the jersey off. And like you said, like, the dude's just jacked up. Nothing to grab onto. And it's swinging. Um, well, like you said, he's, he's 275, and this is with, like, 7% body fat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like, I, I mean, either I mean, the voting can go either way, and I, I wouldn't argue either way. Like, if somebody said, oh, I think Fleming would win, it's like, yeah, all right. You know, I, I agree with you. I can see it. But uh, if, I have to, if I'm, I'm obviously forced to make a decision here, I'm just going with Cote for the fact that, yeah, I can see them going toe-to-toe, and then, like, Cote finally getting out of his, his gear and just, like, and Fleming thinking, yeah, fuck this. I'm out of here. And Cote uh, <laughs> just going snap show. So, yeah, I'm picking Cote here. But, yeah, that this fight would that fight would be awesome to see Fleming versus Cote in their primes. But uh, moving along, I, got, I, I would just say it to the guys. I said we're, we're probably, well, more me than anybody are yapping it up here. So we should, uh, for the sake of uh, the listeners' mental health, we'll, we'll keep it moving here. But uh, uh, first fight of... Of the uh, of the, the second uh, bracket here, uh, another monster, Mike Varhog versus Kevin Holiday. Jay, what are we doing here? This is another one where I think this is a personal attack on me, where you get two of my absolute favorites from the U-Haul, put them together. Um, my, Mike Varhog is one of the largest human beings I have ever I've ever seen, I've ever met. Uh, I met him in Flint once. He busted his knuckles open on somebody the night before. It looked like they had sewn together with boot laces. Um, again, prime for prime, taking nothing away from Kevin Holiday, who was he, he was a really good defenseman, 
and I, I apologize, I don't remember the name of the documentary from his year in the Central League, where tough he was guys. you know chasing. Yeah, tough, tough guys. guys. Yeah, yep. Where he was chasing the the fight record. Um, one of the most active guys out there. I, I got to go with Mike Varhawk. You know, six seven. Prime Mike Varhog is not going to get beat by many people. He's going to string out Holiday. Um, Holiday, you know, Holiday was a strong dude, but Mike Varhog, I think, takes takes the edge in this one. Alec, I got to agree with you on that one. And my problem with Kevin Holiday, and it's no slight to him, it's just you know, product of the time. There's just so little footage on Holiday I can go on. Um, and even in the tough guy documentary, I think you only see like two or three of his actual fights. Cause of course they follow the other guys. They follow Brandon Christian and, uh, Curtis Vaughn. So, you know, they focus on a bunch of different guys. So you only get to see, I think like one or, you know, one or th- one to three of holidays fights in total. Um, but you get to see all the LNH footage of Mike Varhog and stuff from what he's doing the UHL. And, uh, when I'm thinking of Mike Varhog, I'm thinking of like a prime Varhog out of Sherbrooke, where he was just, you know, I think he finally pieced all the all the all the pieces of the puzzle together there, and really was just able to come into his own and just start bodying guys. So, um, for lack of footage, unfortunately, on Holiday's part, I got to give the nod to Varhog here. Plus, I think he's got the size on Holiday as well. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I'm with you on that with Holiday. I've got, I got to plead ignorance on a little bit. I'm like outside of that tough guys documentary. I've seen a couple of his fights from Fort Wayne, but not there's not a lot of stuff out there on Holiday. He's looked good in the stuff I've seen. I've seen some of his Tampa or Tampa, yeah, it's not it's the furthest thing from Tampa. Thunder Bay, <laughs> Thunder Bay, yeah, Thunder. Nobody's ever called Thunder Bay Tampa Bay, that's for sure. Um, but I've seen some of that. But um, other than that, not much. Um, I'm sure obviously there's listeners out there that saw him, you know, in the minors and stuff, but. And then, like I said, and then Varhog, I've, I've watched him in the Western League. I remember going to a Lethbridge, when Lethbridge came here, and it was like, what is this? Like, it's just, what is that out there? Like, yeah, like you, oh, yeah, you see him in junior, and he's that size. It's like, what is going on? Um, but yeah, and then, of course, you, it went, once he gets the, to Quebec in the LNAH, and he fills out, then he catches up with his height, and he starts getting the size. And the meanness, and he figures out how to use his reach and everything. And uh, and he's when he's in Verdun, and then he gets to Sherbrooke, like he's hammering guys. And uh, yeah, I think with that size, it's six six or six seven, whatever he is. I think he would just string. Yeah, like you said, I think he just string Holiday out, and it's. Um, I think Varhog would just control it that way in his prime. But uh, I think young Varhog in the United League, I think Holiday would t- kind of take it to him. But like as was Jay said, I think when it comes to doing these tournaments, I always look at both guys in their primes. And what do I think? I think a prime Varhog could pretty much beat almost anybody in this tournament. And it's like, yeah, I got him beaten all holiday here. But uh, yeah, fan of both guys. But yes, tough guys documentary on. Uh, just type in tough guys documentary on YouTube if you haven't seen it yet. That's a, that's a great documentary. Actually done by the guy that uh, created the uh, Trailer Park Boys. Clattenburg. It's a, and it's posted posted by Hockey Fights at UK of all people. Who? Never heard of that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Round uh, the second fight here, another beauty fight. The Wrecker, Joel Reckless versus the veteran, Serge Roberge. Alec, what are we doing here? I love the Wrecker, but I mean, 
does it get any more? Does it get any more technical than Serge Roberge? One of the best technical fighters of all time, if not the greatest technical fighter of all time. And I forget who it was on your podcast, but you want to talk about being technical? Tied a guy up so good he had to get cut out of his jersey. They couldn't take it off him. Literally had to like take scissors and cut him out of it. Um, so I got to get. When you're dealing with such a technician like Serge Robert, it's 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 hard to get anything going. So I just see him tying up Wrecker and outscoring him on points. So I'll give the nod to Serge Robert here. Jay, yeah, you know, you know, your Wrecker's a big tough dude, which a lot of people don't know, but his brother Mark was actually a pretty tough guy for a few years in the lower minors too. Um, but you were, you know, you're seeing people saying, "Oh, you should see these guys." If you had to see them, I think Serge Robert is a number one seed, no matter what we you know what quote unquote conference he's in. Um, he, he's going to tie Riker up. He, he's going to knot him up in his jersey, and then he's going to take the win. He, he's as far as I'm concerned, Robert has to be one of the favorites to win the whole thing. Yes, I agree. I agree with everything you guys said. Yeah, I mean, awesome. A big fan of both guys, um, but yeah, Serge Robert was. I mean, the guy was an artist, man, when it came to, like, tying things up. And I've never – unbelievable. And, I mean, he fought everybody and forever. And uh, I think the record through youth and the way he fights and wanting to go toe-to-toe, I think he'd be attempting to try to do that. And uh, I think Serge would just tie him up and uh, and just wait it out. And uh, he would not fall into the game of going toe-to-toe with Reckless. Uh, and, yeah, and I mean – I, I I'm I've I've often said like if they're doing a Mount Rushmore of minor league tough guys, I think Rivera should be on it. To be honest, if not uh, close, and uh, I I agree one hundred percent. He is you you can't tell the story of minor league hockey, especially minor league hockey tough guys, without Serge Rivera. No, no, and yeah, he was his brother's awesome, but yeah, Serge was a whole other level, and. Uh, yeah, if you were seeding him, I'd probably he'd be a one or two seed for sure. And uh, yeah, and actually, and Alec tells the story. Yeah, it was Mike McWilliam on my show talked about when he fought Sarah. He was so tied up into his jersey when he had to when he came off the ice, he had to get the trainer to cut him out of it. And that's and he goes, I don't know how he did it, but he goes <laughs> and he fought both of them and he fought him a couple times and he was just like. Yeah, you think he has three arms by the time he's done with you. And it's like, because he's like, yeah, he's tying you up, but he's hitting you at the same time. You don't know where his arms are coming from and where your arms went. And it's like, yeah, technician. So, yeah, I definitely, I'd give it to Serge in this one. Um, the next one, Moose, Dave the Moose Morissette versus Trevor Gillies. Jay, what are we doing? This is kind of going back to where I'm not extremely familiar with with both guys, I'm, I'm much more familiar with Gillies as a, as opposed to Moose Morissette. Um, prime for prime, Trevor Gillies is one of those guys who's going to be hard to be beaten, especially you know, when he's down in the minors. Uh, Moose, you know, big, big, strong guy too, but Trevor Gillies did it at, at such a top level for so long. I, I got to see him taking the edge here. Alec? I agree, and you know, Morissette, no slight to him, one of the toughest dudes, is one of the few to uh, sit down Bob Probert and actually give him a old TKO. Uh, yes, we know Probert was at his you know, back nine in the Blackhawks, but Morissette still did it. Don't <laughs> quit making excuses, folks. Um, but 
you look at a guy like Trevor Gillies, and it was in that same era as kind of like that Segroy and Yablonski time where the role was so specialized uh, compared. And there's no, no slight to Morissette because he was still coming up in that time, too, where it was kind of that early 2000s, at least in his NHL time, um, where the role was specialized. But Gillies was, I think, just a whole other animal in the minors. So you look at some of his stuff, and unfortunately, he had the, the KO by Bougard, but, you know, he avenged it. And uh, I, I wouldn't say, you know, beat Bougard, but he came back and showed he wasn't gun shy after that uh, down the line. So uh, just like, I, I got to give the nod to Gillies here. Yeah, I think this would be a great fight. Uh, like both toe-to-toe guys. Uh, yeah, Morissette, you know, came up the Hampton Roads and he was in the IHL for a while and uh, really made a name for himself. And yeah, like I said, the, the big one punch there, Probert and stuff. Um, yeah, again, fought everybody and, uh, and everything, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, Trevor Gillies. That I, I think Gillies. Yeah, like you said, really took it to a level where it was like a specialized. Um, just and I mean the dude. I mean the dude just looks like you talk about intensity. That guy just like unbelievable. You've, you've never seen handlebars look so intense before. <laughs> no, I mean and you listen to him even when he's on when on his like seven part docu series of Lazito's podcast, and I mean he's talking. Just with you, you can just hear with the passion that he talks about fighting and the level that he took it to, where it was just like he solely fo- like he was he's solely focused on the on the role. He understood the role, what needed to be done, took it seriously, trained for it constantly, and I think he was just so intense. I mean, that dude made coffee nervous, you know, like he's so <laughs> intense, and it was just like. Yeah, I could I could see him just both of these guys going toe to toe, but Gillies would get that left going, and I think he would out I think he would out punch Morissette, but it would be a hell of a fight. But yeah, Gillies, I'm gonna give it to Gillies, and uh, fan of both guys, but uh, Morissette and his anti fight stance these days has pissed me off. So maybe I'll lean Gillies just for that too. Moose, don't you forgot your you forgot your roots, man? Come on, get it together. But um, yeah. Trevor Gillies. Uh, the next fight, Weapon X, Alex Penner versus Chris LaPuma. Jay, what are we doing here? Talking about a guy that makes coffee nervous. You got you got Weapon X there. Yeah. And that's a guy, when he's on the ice, you have no idea what he's going to do. He was, even though he wasn't, he was still in the era when there was tough guys around. He he was still a, a generation too late. He would have been fantastic in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, I I don't I haven't seen a lot of Chris Lapuma, but I've heard the same thing where he he kind of had a screw loose, yep. and all the footage I see of him, you know, he was kind of an undersized guy right at six feet, but he played a hell of a lot bigger than he was, and he had you know he there's beauty with scrap of him of. Uh, Mad Mel on on somebody's YouTube channel. I can't remember quite who it was. Um, yeah, oh, four fine voice. Yeah, that that guy up there. Yes, but uh, as much as I like Weapon X, I actually got to give the edge to to the much smaller, not much to the smaller uh, Crystal Puma on this one. Alec, I'm going to have to disagree with you, but not by much. I, I like I like uh, Weapon X's odds here, and maybe it's just because he uh, fought guys like Terrio and stuff like that. And this was still the the non regulated LNH we're talking here. Um, but 
it might just be my LNH bias as well, but Lapuma's stuff is very good as well. Uh, it's like, I wish he was able to get more time with the lightning as well. Um, unfortunately he was just, wasn't able to kind of make that, that stick. He wasn't able to stick on the roster that long, uh, with Tampa, but, uh, I, I wish we could have seen more of them, but I still got to go with Alex, uh, Alex Penner here. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup. Um, well, Lapuma, I've seen, like, he was big in the Wolves. I saw a bunch of his Wolves stuff, and he's always looked good. He has the great, uh, oh, the one knockout with Spenrath when they're in, in the IHL. Um, yeah, Lapuma was a bad dude. Uh, in the off season, was a roadie. He would go be a roadie with some of these metal bands. Uh, he had the long <laughs> hair and everything else. And I've heard some stories of Lapuma. He's a little out there, a little different. But, uh, yeah, tough cat. Um, yeah, fought everybody. Um, Weapon X, uh, kind of that, that late 2000s, like it was kind of when I was out of watching hockey, I didn't really watch that much hockey, but I had Alex on the show. So in order to get ready, obviously going to do some research. I had obviously great Weapon X. I mean, that that's like the, one of the best nicknames of all time too. Um, oh, it's, I was just, I said, I forget who I told it to. I said, it's a shame you didn't end up on fucking Quebec Radio X back in the day. He was just a little bit too late for that. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, the merch he could have moved. Um, yeah, yeah. But I remember seeing some of his Colorado stuff, and it was like, okay, okay, you know, I'm kind of digging it. Um, and I heard the big, you know, the well, oh, you got to see this guy, you know, whatever. And, um, and and when I was researching him, uh, when I when I started watching his L and H stuff, <clears throat> it was like he really impressed me with his run in the in Quebec. He looked really good, and I mean, he looked really good against Morasti and Terrio, and and it's like, okay, like this guy, because I think, I can't remember what fights I've watched of him, and at first I was kind of, eh, you know, like he's a bigger guy, but like, that's all I heard, Weapon X, Weapon X, and I'm like, I don't know, he's not really, okay, but then I kind of got into it a little more, and I'm like, yeah, this guy's pretty badass, actually, and <laughs> uh, yeah, and he, he was he was really solid, and like I said, something like this with this fight, Really, I could see it going either way, um, but I will. I will probably give it to Penner. I think I'll. I'll pick Weapon X in this one, uh, probably because actually more more of his stuff sort of fresh in my mind, maybe. But um, either either or, to be completely honest, but uh, I'll I'll give it to old Weapon X here. Um, the next one is uh, Zach Fitzgerald and a veteran Steve Martinson. Uh, Alec, what are we doing here? I got to be honest. This one is my my choice here is a product of my my youthfulness. I got to go with Zach Fitzgerald just because I've seen more footage of him, and the footage of Martinson out there is is kind of limited. Uh, not taking away anything from a legendary coach, of course, um, and you get to see him in the the Roadhogs documentary in there as well when he was coached in Rockford. But uh, Zach Fitzgerald is just more co- what's the word I'm looking for. I'm more familiar with Zach Fitzgerald footage, so that's kind of why, unfortunately, I have to go with him over Martinson. Jay? Um, this one this one's tough for me. I'm a big fan of Zach the Hack. Um, and I, I've been able to talk to several guys who have both played with and against Steve Martinson back in the day. And every single one of them has they said, you, you got to watch out. He's on the ice because you never know what he's going to do. Um, he's one of those guys who, you know, the switch went flip and he'd go crazy. Unfortunately, there's not a ton of, of tape on him. Um, 
obviously there is a lot on, on Fitzgerald. This this is one of those ones where I I, I wish I could call it a draw because I mean you you it, it's a coin flip. Ten times out of ten, they're probably gonna get five wins apiece. Um, but just I, I it, it's it's the UHL guy in me. I, I have to give Martinson the edge. It's I, I admit it's a little bit of bias, but I, I have to give him the edge. Yeah, this is really interesting. I mean, I've seen some Martinson stuff. I have the. Hurt- I have actually the Hershey Bears DVD of the year that he has 430 minutes. I have the DVD from that year. Um, so I've seen a bunch of his stuff. I know we had the big uh, rivalry with Risto and, <laughs> and those guys. Um, you know, and then Zach Fitzgerald. I'm a huge fan of Zach Fitzgerald. Again, Washington Jr. And uh, he's been on this show. He was a great guest on the show. Um, you know, he went over to the – he played for, a while, played for a long time in the American League. And then he went over to the U.K., Really made a name for himself over there in Sheffield and stuff, and and in Glasgow, and uh, yeah, he's uh, loved or hated depending on who you talk to over in the UK. But uh, Zach the Hack, he did not care; he would fight wide open. Um, for those folks listening, if you want to see a really good fight of Fitzgerald, uh, go to my channel. Type in Zach Fitzgerald versus Paul Brown. It's from the Western Hockey League, and uh, it is they beat the shit out of each other, and uh, yeah, it's a good one. Um, but honestly, I'd have to go with the veteran, Steve Martinson, um, from some of the wars that I've seen him in. And like Jay said, the stories I've seen, I've heard from about him. Um, you know, I've seen, and I saw some of his IHL stuff and, um, you know, and, and then his NHL stuff. And it's like, yeah, I mean, both bad dudes. I mean, either way you could go either way. You can't go wrong picking either of them, but, uh, I will go with Steve Martinson and, uh, yeah. And, and what a coaching career, man. I mean, legendary, uh, yeah, he had a hell of a run as a coach, too. And, uh, yeah, I'll go with Steve Martinson. Um, the next one, uh, Mad Mel Engelstad versus Dodie Wood. Uh, Alec, what are we doing? Love Dodie Wood, but, I mean, Engelstad is just on another level. And you, when you talk about minor pro tough guys, you want to mention the, the Mount Rushmore of minor pro tough uh, tough guys and enforcers. Engelstad's got to be on there 100%. Um, I don't think I really have to sell people on Mel Engelstad. The footage just speaks for itself out there. And that's no slight to Dodie Wood. You could definitely check him out, too. And uh, great fights. And I know you did a um, – I think you did a player profile on Dodie Wood, did you not? Yep. Yeah, and it was a you know you go over all of his fights. I mean, fuck, he wasn't backing out from anybody either. And no. uh, Dodie Wood fought everybody as well. But like I said, I think Angleston's just he's that that level above. And it was watching Mel fight. It's it's almost like a work of art. <laughs> yeah, Jay. Yeah, I the, the, again, if if you had to see these guys, Mel will get a number one seed. I think this is a really tough draw for Dodie Wood. No disrespect to him because he he was a, a hell of a tough guy. He did it for a long time. Um, but but Mel is you know he, he's one of the top. I, I'd have him the top five, top easily top ten, probably top five minor league tough guys of all time in my opinion. Um, plus, you, you got to love a guy who the the one game he gets in the show he wears number sixty nine. <laughs> yeah. So I I, I got to go with Bad Mel. Yeah, I mean, this is a hell of a matchup. I'm, I, I, I wanted to think they they played each other in the IHL stuff. I'm like, they had to have fought. I don't know if they fought though. I'm trying to think back to all the stuff, the the footage. I'm, man, maybe they didn't. I guess, but I'm, it actually surprises me that they didn't. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, Dodie Wood is a technician for the for as undersized as he was. He'd do that duck under the arm thing, which I had never seen anybody do. Um, so yeah, I don't know where he got that one from, but yeah, and he would, and he could, uh, but he fought everybody, was a hero in Kansas City with playing for the Blades for the years that he did in the eye. Um, tough dude. I'm a huge fan of Dodie Wood, but yeah, Engelstad, I think, is a different level of toughness and just could take any shot you could throw and, uh, and he would just be chucking back. And I don't think, I don't think Wood could, uh, technically get past Engelstad, but, uh, so I got to give Mad Mel the win on this one, but yeah. And like Jay said, I completely agree. I think if a, a top five or top 10 of all time, minor league tough guys, I would have Mel in that list for sure. So yeah, unbelievable. It'd be a good tilt, but I got to go with Mel. And now here's a word from our sponsor. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at even bigger payouts. DraftKings will feature parlays and odd boosts all tournament long. So be sure to check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day and see what we have in store. Yeah, guys, upsets galore. What a tournament it's been so far. Some great final, uh, Sweet 16 matchups. Gonzaga, UCLA, or Alabama and Houston going to keep rolling? We'll see. Can Florida Atlanta keep the Cinderella story going a little longer? I love this time of year. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Um, the next one is uh, Adam Huxley versus Derek Parker. Jay, what are we doing? This is a tough one for me. Um, both guys are kind of more modern guys. Well, I mean, Derek Parker is a modern guy. He's still doing it, which is just incredible at his age, coming back after not playing for so long and coming back and doing it in the in the LNIH again. Um, Adam Huxley was, you know, he had, you know, he could go flip that switch and go a little crazy once in a while. I got to see him when he played in the, uh, in the A with San Antonio. Um, but prime for prime, I think you're going to have a hard time beating prime Derek Parker, especially with the guys that, that he would go in night for night against in the LNIH. I, I got to give the edge of Derek Parker. Alec? Yeah, I got to say the same thing. And, you know, uh, Derek Parker, he's one of those guys where he's almost kind of a technical fighter when you think about it because the way he's able to control a fight by spinning guys and almost getting them in that spin cycle and being able to use his momentum when the guys are spinning and when to throw punches, it's almost, it's almost down to a science with Derek Parker. And I think he's able to get Huxley off balance quite a bit, doing, doing the Derek Parker spin cycle as we always see him do, getting guys spinning around and throwing them down on the ice, picking them back up. I think Parker is just able to use that to his advantage and get the edge on Huxley. Yeah, this was a really interesting, this would be a really interesting fight because they're literally both the same size and they both have the same fighting style. I think, um, I'm actually going to differ. I'm actually going to take Huxley for the very fact, like I was talking about Dodie Wood and his under, underneath the arm thing. Huxley's the same, would do the same thing. Clearly he watched Dodie Wood video, uh, because, uh, he would, he'd duck under and everything. 
And I could see him doing that with Parker. Like, I think it would be a real technical battle. And I could see Huxley kind of ducking underneath and freeing him up. And he, I think he would win on points. We'll put it that way. I think he would just sort of outpunch him. I don't think either guy was a real big, is a real big power guy. Um, no. But I think they're just like, they're just tie it up and it would be, it'd be a lot of cross gripping and ducking and spinning. And, um, and I think it would just be, I think Huxley on points, but it'd be, it'd be a very interesting fight for sure. Um, but yeah, well, the now is, 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 is Parker the only guy who fought in both of the battle of the enforcers and ice wars? Uh, uh, yeah. Yep. I think he's been in all three. He was in he's Ice Warriors. Yeah, he's been in yeah. Ice Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he was in, in both the Battle of the Enforced, the one, the one in Canada, the one in Prince George, wherever it was. Yeah, Prince George, the one in Finland, and then in Ice Wars. Ice Wars. That that that's saying something. Oh yeah, his longevity is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, and I mean, and he's still going well. Yeah, well, he's in Laval last week and he fought. Um, and he's like, actually, he's looked he looked good too in the in the fight he won. I know that he actually dominated the guy. Um, oh yeah, I mean, the guy's fearless and fights everybody and fight all the time. And yeah, I mean, and the fact that he's still going is unbelievable, but, uh, yeah, Parker. Yeah. What a, what a character. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and for Adam Huxley, for those people out there, yeah, I keep, I guess I gotta, well, it's, ah, it's my show. I'm going to pump it up, but, uh, Adam Huxley was a great interview. If you have a chance, go back and let, I think he's been on twice. Did a five toughest opponents with him too, but go back and listen to his very first interview. Um, he tells some great stories, especially when he played for the Las Vegas Rambler, Wranglers and he's hanging out with the Diaz brothers and shit and, uh, and doing MMA stuff and, uh, and, and teammates with Billy Tibbetts. That's all. I'll leave it at that. Go listen to the stories. You'll dig it. But, um, the final fight here of this bracket, of this section of the bracket. <clears throat> oh, those Robert's brothers are back. Mario Robert's versus, oh, Francis Lassard. Uh Alec, where are we going? This might not be a popular opinion, but I gotta give the nod to Lassard here. And it's just because if you ever look at Lassard fights, look at his fucking antics, and he'd be the guy that, you know, Mario might ask him, Hey, you wanna go? And Lassard, no, we won't go. She was puck drops. <laughs> Lassard's already got both gloves off jumping Mario there. Uh but he's already got the left hand going in uh, you know, Lassard was a guy to always use those mental mind games and kind of get the edge on guys or jump guys. So I think he'll use that to his advantage. And uh, nothing against Mario LeBear, or uh, Robert's, excuse me, but I think he's. I would put Surge ahead of him in terms of the brothers and and, and fighting aspects. But yeah, I got to give the nod to Lassard here just because of his his pure antics and wanting to wanting to jump guys and just do whatever, just be an asshole. It's just the Lassard way. Yeah, Jay. Oh, I, I gotta agree 100%. Um, I, I saw this, the, this fight, and it was a, like, well, I, I can see it happening. You know, Mario lines up against him, says, let's go. Lassard says, no, you know, he turns around. Lassard drops the gloves, gets, pumps him five, six times before Mario gets his gloves off. And in the third period, you know, Serge comes over there and sorts things out. But yeah, I, I think, you know, Lassard uses his antics and gets, gets the upper hand on him. Yeah, I think Lassard would have, I think if it was a square up and they eat, like it was, you know, oh, they bang in the corner and then just start fighting and it's even with the gloves coming off at the same time, I'd actually probably give it to Mario because I think Mario could tie him up good enough. So it reminds me because Lassard sort of fights that machine gun wide open, kind of like Darren Kimball. 
And Robert had no problem with Kimball. He tied him up pretty good and caught him and busted him up. And uh, I can kind of see that happening if it's even. But I don't think it would be even. I think Lassard would get the go on him. And uh, and if, if he did that and he kind of got out of his jersey kind of thing and just started really swinging. Um, and, and again, I'm thinking in his prime, I think Lassard would sort of... I think he'd just be too hectic. And I don't think Robert could kind of wrap them up quick enough. Um, this is a tough one. I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, I'll go with Lassard. I'll go with Frankie on this one. Uh, just for the fact that he'd probably, you know, sneak a shot in off the draw and just get snaky. And, uh, yeah, but either or two tough guys. That's for sure. Fan of both guys. And, uh, yeah, that's a hell of a matchup actually. Well, we're bouncing over to the right side of the bracket here. And uh, start off with an interesting one. It's Grant McNeil versus Jacques Mayotte. And uh, Jay, what are we thinking here? Oh, sorry about that. I dropped my phone. Um, the, dude, I'm not the right person to ask this one. Um, <laughs> I, I think. I mean, I, I got I got a frame Mayotte jersey in the basement. Three or four frame pictures of him. Um, he was literally the first tough guy that I saw in person. When I was a kid, I'm like, this is why I like hockey. Um, I, I can't, I can't even pretend to be even on this one. I Mayotte's on my Mount Rushmore of minor league tough guys. I got to give it to Jacques. I got the mailman takes it. I'm so, I apologize to Mr. McNeil, but it, pretty much whoever Mayotte was fighting in the first round, he was getting out of the first round. Alec. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I'd go for Mayotte here. Nothing against McNeil, but the mailman just always delivers, no pun intended. And you look at his fight footage and fuck, look at his fights versus Angelstad, how great those fights were. Um, and unfortunately, I think there's a crazy amount of Mayotte footage out there, but the stuff that you see, he just dominates. And I, I'm a huge fan of the mailman. So uh, maybe I'm biased there because I'm a huge fan of him, but I got to go with Mayotte here as well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of both guys. Uh, again, watch Grant McNeil here in junior and Prince Albert. He was unbelievable. Some of his junior fights that I have on my channel are awesome. He had a great career, was in Hershey for a while, had some great fights with Hershey. He had that great fight with Simon up in the NHL when Simon just, I think he ended up breaking McNeil's orbital bone, but McNeil just kept coming. Um, tough dude, wide open fighter. I'm a big fan of Grant McNeil's, but... Jacques Mayotte, I agree with Jay. As Jay said, I would have, I would actually have him on my Mount Rushmore. Um, technical, left-handed, bigger dude, fought everybody twice, and uh, yeah, rocked the the Jofa there, and just like I said, left-handed. And uh, if uh, I will say, I have, I have, I have to convert it, but I do have the Jacques Mayotte uh, VHS tape that he sold. Uh, at a stand at the merch table back in the day, Mayotte made his own fight tape and sold it. I have a copy of it, and it is unbelievable. And uh, speaking of which, that terrible techno, unbelievable song is on there a bunch of times. Uh, Jacques has Jacques for as great a fighter as he was has terrible taste in music, but uh, yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's dance club hits and left hands. That's what that whole VHS tape's about. But uh, I bet, this sure. is the first I'm hearing about this tape. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm I kind of hurt, but this is the first I'm hearing about it. 
I got the fucking DVD. There you go. I got a I got a VCR hooked up in the basement right now. I could have been watching the VHS tape months ago, but well, it, it kind of breaks my heart. Well, I'll you let me down, Darren. Well, I'll get I got, I'll get you. I'll get you. We'll straighten it all out. But uh, in it's terms like I of, tell Darren to send you a beta tape, but he's got too much porn stashed up over there. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know why? I always say, you know how you know why VHS. I really don't yeah, know why. Well, I, I know really don't exactly, know why that you have exactly why because motherfucker, we went over it on my podcast oh, and we, we took a left turn. We took a left turn from talking about Toporowski to porn, so I had to I had to fucking give it back to you here. Talk about my aunt. And we end up in the fucking porn section. Yes. Well, back in the day, it was beta versus VHS. It was a format for uh, war, and uh, and it's actually too bad beta didn't win because the quality was better. Beta was better, but it was more expensive. <laughs> But the reason that the VHS uh, won the format war was because of the porn industry. They they went with the VHS tapes, so that's why Beta went the way of the the spotted owl, and you have VHS tapes it was because of the porn industry in in California. There you go. Fun fact for you folks listening out there. Yeah, but top uh, quality at the fourth line voice. Absolutely, come come for the fights. You'll learn about some porn. You'll learn some pop culture history here. But uh, evidently, we're, evidently, we are working blue now. We are, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, Seventeen uh, minutes to midnight, folks. It's it's, it's uh, fourth line voice after dark. Oh, there we go. Fourth line voice. <laughs> I like it. Fourth line voice after dark. Here we go. Yeah. After I, I'm done with this, and I go upstairs, I'll be in the dark. The wife will be in bed. You call me an asshole, but mm-hmm. <laughs> and Alex already working on divorce papers, so we'll yeah, move fuck. on. Um. Yeah, well, I got Jacques winning that one, but uh, the, ne- well, the next one, another legendary, couple legendary tough guys. This, this is a tough one. Uh, Val James versus Bruce Ramsey. Alec, what are we doing here? Well, Ramsey has a little bit more footage out there, but I, the footage I've seen of James, it's and it's very limited, but you look at Val James' footage, I mean... What I've seen, fuck, he looked good. Uh, he took it to O'Reilly pretty good. He had a really good fight versus Cordic. Um, I, I honestly, I, I'll give the nod to Val James here. Um, and that's no slight to Bruce Ramsey at all, but I just, I, I, I like Val James's odds against Ramsey. Jay, um, I, I tell you what, I had never, I was not familiar at all with Val James until last year when we did this. And I did some research on him. And yeah, he he was a bad dude. Mm-hmm. It was it was entertaining as hell to watch what I could of him. Um, but the Rammer is he is legendary as far as I'm concerned. He spent a lot of time in the Colonial and United Leagues. I got to see a lot of them. Um, there's not too many guys that took one off a of Rammer. You know, it was. I, I got to go with Bruce Ramsey. You know, he's still, he, he's a hell of a coach too, still coaching. Um, I want to say he's in Wichita now, spent a lot of time in Tulsa. Uh, but I, I got to give it to Bruce Ramsey. Yeah, this is a really interesting matchup. Uh, of course, Val James was the first uh, American black hockey player. Um, he actually came out with a book a few years ago called Black Ice. I uh, recommend anybody picking that up. It's a very good book. Um yeah, and again, I'm not going to say, oh, I've seen all of Val's stuff and all this. No, the footage is limited. The stuff I've seen, he has looked very good in. Um, the book told some stories. Again, other people have told some stories. His uh, his rep is huge. 
Um, the Rammer, I have seen plenty of footage of Bruce Ramsey. I have all the Grand Rapids stuff from when he played in the IHL and all that. Longevity, unbelievable. Toe-to-toe guy, fought everybody. Um, I'm a massive fan of the Ram- of the Rammer. Uh, but I think I would give this to Val James. I think they would... Uh, they would start toe to toe, and I think James would just have the size and the strength to sort of overtake Ramsey. But uh, it would be a great fight, and uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of both these guys. But yeah, but especially the Rammer, yeah, he uh, his IHL stuff is awesome. But uh, I will go with Val on this one. Uh, moving on, uh, another hell of a battle. We got Topper, Kerry Topperowski, legendary, and uh, Joel the Animal Terrio. Uh, Jay, what are we doing here? This was, this was the single hardest matchup of the entire, the entire bracket for me. Um, I've kind of mentioned, you know, three guys already have a little, my, uh, my league Mount Rushmore, uh, topper would be the fourth guy on there. I got to see a lot of him here in quad city. I never saw him lose a fight cleanly. And he was also a guy who would, he wasn't afraid to, to stick you in the back of the leg to, slash and cross check or run your face in the glass or put icy hot on his glove and rub it in your face. Uh, but I mean, Joel Terrio is the, the biggest probably number one of all time in the LNH. And I mean, that's not my wheelhouse. It's more of you guys' wheelhouse. Um, but I, I, I gotta go with Kerry Toporowski on this. I think, I think prime Toporowski takes it over prime Terrio. Alec. <sighs> this one was tough for me. And I, I, we had a matchup very similar to this, I think, last year or the year before. And it was Terrio versus Mayotte, like, right off the rip in the first round. And it was like, what the fuck? And that's another one. I'm looking at this, Toporowski versus Terrio. What the fuck? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, as much as I want to say Toporowski, and, of course, folks who listened to the Five for Fighting show when it was going on know I'm a, I was a Mallards guy and... Uh, I grew up watching the Mallards, but I don't have enough Toporowski memories to be able to like. I can't pick out a Topper fight in my head and just say, "Oh yeah, I remember watching this one live." And of course, the footage out there is just so limited to Toporowski. Um, and he's got the big rep, and we did the special on him, and you got the the WHL fight uh, or excuse me, penalty minute record and everything. But he just got a prime Jack to the Gills, Jill Terrio. Um, you know, hitting the pre-workout pretty hard before the games, you know, uh, I gotta, I gotta go Terrio over Toporowski. You're both lefties. So I, I, but I think Terrio edges Topper out. Yeah, this would be a really interesting matchup, but I think, uh, um, I, I'm going with like Verdun Terrio, um, yep. cause he's all wound up there because I think if it was at the, in his last year there, Terrio, and he's going around high fiving. If he wanted to square off with Topper and have the high five before they fought, he would. Uh, Topper would go for it and then completely sucker punch him uh, <laughs> as they were trying to high five. And then he'd probably steal his chain or something. And who knows what yeah, would happen? I, um, I still remember he stole a friend of the show, Dean Mayrand. He stole Dean Mayrand's puka shell necklace and threw it in the bench in uh, Mayrand's rookie year in Muskegon. Yeah, well, in the, in the Memorial Cup, he took that guy's chain too. Topper, yeah, he was uh, he was all about uh, lifting your shit during the fight. So, but yeah, Topper, crazy dude, and everything else. Same with Terrio. This would be a hell of a battle. Um, I just think Terrio just, I think he was just quicker and just, 
I think he'd get that left going again. This is both in their primes. Um, I think if the fight went down to their knees or got on the ice, Terrio better, he's in trouble. But, uh, and, and Topper was not above suckering a guy. But, uh, Madman Terrio and Verdun, I think, would take this win on for me anyway. But, uh, that's a hell of a battle. That Terrio gets some tough draws in these things for some reason. Um, yeah. Well, the, ne- the next one, we got, uh, Justin Sawyer versus Wade Brookbank. Alec, what are we doing here? Uh, I love Wade Brookbank, but I got to go Justin Sawyer. Maybe it's because he's still fresh in my memory from Ice Wars, but big dude. And uh, unfortunately, he came up a little bit short in the finals there versus Amesbury, but he still looked really good after not being on, uh, you know, obviously it was synthetic ice, but quote unquote ice for a minute. Um, but shows he can still bang. I, I got to give Sawyer the nod slightly over Brookbank. Jay? I got to see Justin Sawyer kind of earlier in his career. Oh, I bet you money Jay's phone died. Yeah, I bet you he did. <laughs> uh, hold on. Uh, well, we had some little technical difficulties there out in Iowa, but uh, you were saying you saw Justin Sawyer earlier in his career, and then you blanked out. So, yeah, don't put this on me, Darren. It's uh-huh. it's something up your. Your tin cans and string up there in Saskatoon. Anyway, yeah, I got to see Sawyer when he was kind of on the younger side of his career with Bloomington, and then later on in Rapid City, and you could kind of see him really develop just in those few years. Um, hell, hell of a fighter, big dude, um, but he doesn't have that much size on Wade Brookbank, just a, a, a couple inches, and. Wade Brookbank is you know, such a strong dude, such a technical guy, did it for so long, didn't like to get hit. Well, I mean, who likes to get hit? But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, this one this one was tough for me. I I actually got to go with Brookbank on this one. I agree with you. I actually would pick Wade as well. Um, Wade, I mean, both tough guys, both size. Um, they're pretty much similar in size. Um I think Brookbank, just his resume, I, I think with the the guys that he fought, I mean, Sawyer has a great fight card too, but Wade's fight card, for anybody who goes out, I've always said this with Brookbank, and I think it's, uh, I think he's massively underrated by people. If you go back, even when you watch his NHL stuff, he did not really lose. And it's like, um, he wasn't a huge real power guy, he wasn't dropping dudes, but he uh, was great in the minors. He did it and for did it forever too in the minors and fought, put up big numbers every year. And uh, I just got, I have Wade just and for big guys he was. He was a technical fighter, and I think he would just. I think he'd give Sawyer some fits. And uh, yeah, I got to go with Wade, um, but it'd be a hell of a fight. But uh, I've always said I think Wade Brookbank and amongst fight fans is grossly underrated. And for those listening, I encourage you to go back and, and go watch Wade's stuff. Yeah, be and the same with Sawyer for sure. But it, I think it's because I was talking about this Brookbank. I I can't remember. I think I brought it up on an episode and I was talking about it. And it was and I saw somebody mention it in the fight group as well a while back about Brookbank. And there was like a and I think a lot of people just sort of sleep on him. And it was just like, uh, no, check his stuff out. He he was awesome. But uh, speaking of awesome. This next matchup would be awesome. Uh, Brandon Sugar Sugden versus Winger. Brad Wingfeld. 
this will be a very interesting battle. Jay, what are you saying in this battle here? I think this is a barn burner. This is one of the most entertaining fights you're going to see in the first round. Yeah. Um, two guys who are just absolute beasts of human beings. I mean, Brad Wingfield put up some huge PIM numbers, almost 500 one year in Elmira, and then almost 600 the next year in Elmira. <laughs> and he he was a hell of a player. I don't know if a lot of people realize that, but he was one hell of a player. I mean, he had 576 PIM with 29 goals and 45 points. Yep. But again, prime for prime, you look at Sugar, the year in the AHL when he was just knocking guys out left and right. Yeah. And I don't know that there is a whole lot of guys in minor league hockey that could have hanged with him in that year. So yeah. I, I I think Prime Sugden takes it over Prime Wingfield. Alec, fuck, take the take the words right out of my mouth. That year that Sugden had in the AHL, I don't think anything's ever compared to that. I mean, he was just not. I mean, it was just four like. Four, five, six knockouts straight in a row, and I mean he's knocking guys out like Bonvin. He's not. This isn't Joe Blow. He's knocking out. Um, and Wingfield definitely tough dude. Of course, absolute legend now with the, the after the Trashers documentary and everything coming out. And um, you know, for those out there listening, there was a great interview conducted by some Yahoo at Fourth Line Voice that was uh that was with Brad Wingfield, and this was before the Trasher Mania took off, and he got to hear these stories, and he can get the inside information on some of that stuff that's in the documentary that you don't get to hear about, but you can hear about it in that interview, and I encourage you to go check that out. It's one of the best interviews. Um, but that being said, as much as I love Wingfield, I got to go Sugar Sugden, too. And I'm thinking of, like, also the Sugden and, like, with with St. Jan out in the L&H fighting Morassi. The dude was just a fucking animal. Yeah, he was. Sugden was awesome. Winger was awesome, but uh, I agree. That, that year that Sugden had in Syracuse, uh, even Mike Segroy, when he's on the show, he said that was the greatest fight season anyone's ever had that's what he thinks and um and i yeah and i mean you look i mean who he cut rocky and sugden or rocky and bombi and yeah it was like it was like five or six knockouts in a row i mean there's guys that don't have that in their career and this guy did it right in one in a row and um yeah um i think he's got the size over winger and i think he would just sort of string him out and i think he could catch him i don't think he i don't think he'd buckle winger but i mean because Winger could take it too, for, without a doubt. But I think Sugden's just size, the way he knew how to use it. Uh, yeah, I got, I'd got. i take Sugden in this one as well. Uh, the next one up, uh, Chase Tippin versus Trevor Sen. Interesting matchup. Jay, what do you say here? I see you're bringing, yeah, bringing in the uh, the Federal League guy, Chase Tippin. Yep. Federal League Ice Wars guy. Um and, and I'll be honest, I don't know a ton of about Chase Tippett. I've seen you know the stuff on on YouTube and the Ice Wars, and he he's a bigger guy. I got to see Trevor Sen when he was with Adirondack, but I, I look at at Sen Tasker Trevor Sen, and I think he he definitely he takes this one. I think Chase Tippett hasn't fought anybody with that kind of ferocity, that kind of just that that mean streak that. Trevor Sen had, and I think Sen comes out on top. Alec? I got to I gotta say the exact same thing as Jay. It's unfortunate that we don't have more Trevor Sen footage out there, and you look at yeah, it's it's crazy to think you look at all of his penalty minutes, and there's like, you know, four fights on YouTube um, 
which is unfortunate. And, you know, Chase Tippett, tough guy, Ice Wars competitor. I didn't know much about him until Ice Wars. And, of course, that's when we when we did the preview show then. That's when I really dove into the, the Chase Tippett rabbit hole. Uh, but you look at a guy like Trevor Sen, and he might be a little bit undersized compared to Tippin, but when you can stick in there that long and do it for that many years – um, in minor pro hockey, man, if that's not a testament to Trevor Sin, I don't know what is. So I got to go. And Trevor he didn't Sin. have any off years either. No, he did not. I mean that that year he had in I think it was Richmond, where he had like I, like thirty or forty some points with like five hundred penalty minutes. That's unreal, unreal. Yeah, 49, 49 points, five hundred seven pims. That's what it was. Yep. <laughs> and I think that was the year. That was the year of the the Tasker Sen fight too. I want to say. Yeah, so I got to go send here. I don't know about Darren. What do you think? Yeah, you know, well, yeah, well, like with with Tip and going to Ice Wars, yeah, it was the thing. And I wanted to get him on the show and everything, so I wanted to be, you know, do what I was doing. So I had read and researched his stuff because um, I'd never really followed the federal. League. I'd heard his name and stuff, but I was I'm not a federal league guy, so I wasn't really watching his stuff. But I went through the rabbit down the rabbit hole, watched his fights. He said, big dude, uh, definitely won far more than he lost in the Federal League. Uh, I think with the size, he would control guys. But with Trevor Sen, veteran tough guy, I mean, obviously, Tipman's a lot bigger. But Sen's jacked, though. I mean, he wasn't skinny. He was ripped. and uh, But he's like 5'10 or whatever. But, uh, yeah, fought everybody. And I think just his speed, I think he would get Tipman. Um, you know, and I think... Uh, It'd be an interesting matchup, but uh, I think just uh, like I've seen a bit of a few more bit, a few more fights with San, um, you know, from his Western League stuff and Tri Cities and whatever. But uh, yeah, guy with machine gun and uh, yeah, I gotta give. Uh, I think I gotta just on speed here. I think I gotta go with San. But uh, moving on, we got uh, Sasha Lakovic and Brett Gallant. Uh, Jay, what are we doing? Ah, uh, the, the, the Sasha the Masha against. Uh, Gallant, the, I think it's, it's, as you said before, Brett Gallant is still the toughest guy in hockey when it, at his age, he's still doing it in the AHL and he, he has not fallen off. It, it's not his fault that nobody wants to fight him anymore. Um, and, and Lakovic was obviously, you know, he was the pit bull out there. He was, he had that screw loose, but I, there's not many guys I would bet would take Brett Gallant in a fight, and I don't think Sasha Lakovic does it here. Alec? Yeah, I got to agree. Lakovic is one of the legendary guys. You hear the stories and uh, you know, getting out on all fours, barking at the penalty box while a guy's in there. Um, legendary, legendary tough guy. I just think Lakovic is more so known for maybe his antics as opposed more so his his fighting ability. That's no slight to him. I'm not saying he was a punching bag or anything like that, but uh, he's one of those names you hear and you associate more so crazy shit and, you know, the antics of, you know, fighting the crowd when he was with Calgary and stuff like that or, um, you know, just going after guys and, doing whatever to just get in their heads. But you look at a guy like Brett Gallant, and it's just straight down to business, and he's going at it fighting, and he's still one of the toughest dudes in hockey. So I got to go with Brett Gallant, and that's no slight to lack of it. Like I said, legendary tough guy, but I think he's more so known for his antics as opposed to his fighting. 
Yeah, I agree. That's exactly actually the point that I was going to make with Sasha. I mean, you never knew what was going to happen, and he wasn't afraid to get into a stick fight. He wasn't afraid to wait by the penalty box. That that scene in Goom when they send Duck Glatt over to the penalty box, that was completely stolen from the Lakovic story doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, his antics, going into the crowd and all that. Um, again, tough guy, could fight, you know, for sure, but um, I, I think a lot of the times, I think his... The antics over were, were definitely, uh, you know, more so than the pugilistic ability. Whereas Brett Gallant is just a straight up all business killer. And, uh, there's no fooling around. And, uh, I would take Brett Gallant in this one as well. But, uh, the final fight here in the third, uh, bracket, uh, the meat grinder, Marty Melnichuk versus Frank Littlejohn. Uh, Alec, what are we doing here? This was a tough one. This is one I saw, and I was like, well, I mean, flip a coin and ask me tomorrow, and my answer might be different. Melnichuk, I just wish we had more footage out there. There's definitely more footage of Little John than there is of Melnichuk, but I will say for right now, I'll give a slight edge to Melnichuk, and it's not by much. I just think, you know, Melnichuk was jacked to the fucking gills and just kind of had that screw loose and... Uh, you see some of his stuff uh, from the Tough Guys documentary that we mentioned earlier. You see him against Brandon Christian, and that just shows you kind of how crazy he was getting the crowd going after uh, beating Brandon Christian. Um, so that was a very fun clip to watch. He's wooing to the crowd like he was um, Ric Flair. But I will give the slight edge to Melna Chuck over Little John, and I know Little John is uh, famous, a legendary U-Haul tough guy for sure. You know it out there in Elmira. He had this stint with Quad City. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have him on the show, and it's actually, to this day, is still one of my top interviews I ever did in terms of uh, listens. So Little John will bring the folks in, but I'm sorry to do it to you, Frankie. i got to go with uh, Marty Belnichuk here. Jay? Yeah, there, there are two UHL guys here, and, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of both these guys. I remember seeing uh, the meat grinder on the ice for the first time, skating around in warm-ups, not wearing shoulder pads. And he, he was built like a brick shit house with a head on top. Like, he is a massive human being. Um, I'm as big a Frank Little John fan as there is out there. You know, he's kind of an undersized guy. Get under the skin of everybody, and he wasn't afraid to drop the gloves. But, I mean, the meat grinder is, I, I got to say, he's on a different level. I I think he takes it with a little bit more of an edge. Um I'm not saying he puts Frankie down, but he, he puts a couple to Frankie and, uh, the meat grinder definitely takes this one. Yeah. I, I think with something like this, I think just Melnichuk's size and the strength, I think was just sort of, I think he'd overwhelm little John. Um, cause like, I think little John, if he could like set up and like, you know, whatever with a guy and, and, you know, he, he does well, but I think Melnichuk kind of has that, spazzy kind of fighting style and he's like you said he's like what 235 240 and i think he would just sort of push and pull and yank and flip out and um i i don't think little john could kind of corral that and i think melnichuk just with the power i think would take over but yeah both legendary guys and little john did it forever like i think he's played in his 40s i mean uh good player too and it's like but yeah i think the meat grinder i i i'm giving marty the w in this one um, well, here we are. We're in the final, uh, the final grouping here. And, uh, we start off with a bang. Actually, we start off with some, uh, with some kind of a weird matchup. It's actually two current guys that are playing. 
Um, Travis Howell versus Daniel Amesbury, old diamond hands. Um, Jay, I'll start with you. What are we doing with this matchup here? Uh, it's kind of interesting to me because these are two guys who I think they're both in their prime right now. Yes. Um, I got to see Amesbury when he played in the Central League, you know, five, six years ago, whenever that was. And he was a willing guy, but he, he, hadn't, he hadn't gotten it together yet, kind of figured it out. But he's definitely figured it out now. Obviously, one of the guys at Ice Wars, one of the guys at Ready to Rumble or whatever the hell the tough man competition is now. You're running through the Federal League. But Travis Howell, he, he has been doing it, you know, for, for a while. And his stuff in the AHL now, he is, he is just wrecking guys. And I think Howell uses his size and he can keep, you know, Amesbury's a strong cat. But I think he keeps Amesbury at distance a little bit. And I think he takes the edge over, uh, Diamond Hands. Out. I definitely got to agree, and I've seen I've, I've been fortunate enough to see Travis Howe fight live and in person, and see him uh, in, in his marathon with Kyle Newber out there, center ice in Florida. Um, Amesbury is definitely a tough dude. I mean, Ice Wars champion. Yeah, he's got the he's two and zero oh and rough and rowdy with the two KOs. We're not talking like you know it was a split decision. I mean, two knockout like winner by knockout. Um, that being said. I think Howe just has the slightly better fight card. And I want to say he's got a, I think he's got the reach on Amesbury and the size. Um, I think Howe is able to string Amesbury out. And Amesbury's definitely willing and throwing down the pipe. Uh, but I don't think his punches are connecting on Howe and Howe is able to kind of control it. Cause I've seen Howe go two different ways where you see, I've just seen him just pummel guys to overwhelm them with volume right off the jump. And then you see him, how he fights different versus a guy like Kyle Newber and how he kind of tries to control the fight more, getting the guys off balance. So how is a very smart fighter. He knows when to pounce and he knows when to hold back and, uh, you know, kind of plan the assault there. So I got to go with Travis Howe here in this one. Uh, not by much. I don't think he's knocking Amesbury out or anything like that either. I think it's a pretty solid fight, but, and also I'd like to point out what he's done this year in the AHL has been nothing short of incredible to see. It's been so cool to see a guy. I go from the East Coast League for years. I mean, he's been in the ECHL for the past, I think, five or six years, and get a call up in the AHL and actually stick and and fight guys and just not not just fighting them. I mean, just beating them. He hasn't lost a single fight in the AHL this year. So, um, all the more testament to Travis Howe. Which I mean, that same could be said for Amesbury, though. I don't think he's lost a single fight in the Federal League this year either. So, um, but when you look at the um, the pedigree, guys, I think the pedigree, obviously, in the AHL is a little bit higher than the Federal League. So I, I will give Howe the nod here. Yeah, Howe was one of those guys I didn't really pay much attention to. Again, I'd heard the name and everything like that, but it wasn't until you were doing the East Coast League stuff. And you're like, yeah, you got to check this dude out, man. And just like watching your watching your footage and stuff. And then, yeah, then this year with the American League, I've been really paying attention to him. And, yeah, he's looked unreal. But I kind of went down that Travis, hole, Travis Howe rabbit hole Um he looked really good. And Amesbury, same thing. I had Daniel on the show, and I wanted to research, so I went down, you know, the, the the rabbit hole, watching the Central League stuff and stuff like that. Again, that was about, what, five years ago, um, you know, when he was in his kind of early to mid-20s. And I don't think he was, you know, he's, he was an undersized guy, was certainly willing, fought everybody. 
Um, I don't think anybody in, himself included would say, you know, he was like a contender for the belt and the title or, or in the Central League or anything. You know, he was a young guy trying to find his way. And of course, you know, he had the off-ice issues and, and everything like that. And um, was out of hockey for how many years? And then, you know, now he's making the comeback and he's making the name in Ice Wars and he won both those fights and, uh, you know, and then he's, you know, down in the Federal League. Um, and he's looked great and without a doubt. But, uh, you know, like you said, it's one of those things, and it gets, it's not a knock in any of the kids in the Federal League, but, I mean, he's, you know, Ainsbury's 31, 32 years old. He's been, tra- he, he trained so hard for Ice Wars with the boxing and he took everything serious in his diet and got into great shape and just focused completely on fighting. Well, when he put on skates and went back down to the federal league and was playing these kids that are coming out of college or junior B or whatever, they're not ready for him at 32 years old and fresh off of ice wars and stuff. Like he's wrecking guys, you know, and it's like, I would like to see him come up and play in the East Coast League. I'd really like to see Amesbury in the East Coast League. That's what I'd like to see. Because I'd like to see him fight a Blatchman or a Newber and guys like that and, and, and Howe and everything and Glotz and the Collins and these guys. Because I think at this point of his life, he's ready for that now. He's become a, he's become a man now. Like he's like, right. You know, he's filled out and he's ready and, um, he's a completely different guy than he was in the Central League. And, uh, you know, and he's obviously much more focused and stuff. So I think it would be interesting. I think, like you said, with how the reason I would pick how in this for now would just be for the simple fact that just how's fought has better comp. I've seen him against better competition. And right. He, and he's winning. So that's why I'm picking him right now. But it's not to say that if Amesbury came up in the American League and fought how right now that do I think how would destroy him? No, I don't think so. But. It would be a good fight. And if Amesbury beat him, I wouldn't be surprised. But, because I think Amesbury certainly is capable. But I think I just can only go by what they've done so far and just how has just faced better competition for longer. And uh, so I will pick how in this one. But uh, I think that would be, that'd be a hell of a fight, though, for sure. Uh, the next one, we have Chad Wagner versus Louis Bedard. Uh, Jay, what are we doing here? You know, these these are two guys where I think they're both, but between the two of them, they uh, they're a couple burgers short of a happy meal. And and Louis Bedard did it for a long time, did it for a lot longer than Chad Wagner did. Um, I got to see Chad Wagner firsthand when he was with Asheville. Um, he put up damn near five hundred pims and you know fifty five games or something like that. Um, but I actually got you know there's a lot more Louis Bedard stuff out there. As, as as much as it pains me to go against a UHL guy, which you know Chad Wagner famously went after an opposing team's coach when he played with Danbury. Look here, seventy five PIM in three games, suspended for uh, suspended for life from the UHL, which I think only scary Gary Cooper shares that with him. Um, I, I got to go with Louis Bedard on this one. Alec? Yeah, I got to agree. And Wagner, this would be a barn burner, though, because in all the Wagner footage I've seen, he's pretty wide open. It was funny. I was actually just refreshing my memory here because I was trying to see what, what fight stuck out. And I, I totally forgot. He fought Serge Roberts in the fucking RHI in the old roller hockey league. Tremendous. 
Um, and that's a great fight. It's actually one of the few ones where Serge Robert is actually just going like wide open. Um, but that being said, I think Louis Bedard, I, I, and I'm thinking of him in the LNH and he might've been a little bit out of shape or whatever. Like, um, but you look at him in his earlier days with, uh, Tallahassee or, um, what was that team? Was it Newcastle? Was that the team out there in Europe? Yep. Yeah, you look at like footage of that, and it's Louis Bedard was mean, man. He was awesome, um, and same thing, wide open guy as well. But I got to go, Louis Bedard here. Yeah, I mean Wagner, the limited stuff I've seen, huge dude. Um, you know, I saw a bit of the IHL stuff. Um, then of course some of his San Diego, not much of it. Can't believe the guy had like what, like two thousand minutes in San Diego, and there's like literally seven fights of him. <laughs> um, you know. And Asheville, how does no one get the game tape of Asheville that year? Like, oh, man, that would have been something to see. But um, but then, yeah, see, with Louis, he was around forever, played in multiple leagues. Um, undersized guy, but thick, could throw down. Um, I'm a massive Bedard fan. Um, just on sheer volume alone and for, and for longevity, um, I'm going with Bedard in this one. And uh, But uh, it'd be interesting. Interesting tilt. Uh, speaking of interesting, the next one here, a couple legendary names, Dennis the Menace Bonvi and Ken Tasker. Uh, Alec, what are we doing? Oh, this is a tough one, too, but I got to give the nod to Bonvi here. Ken Tasker is, of course, definitely willing. I don't think Tasker has ever wanted to say no to a fight, and we've all seen Tasker fights wide open, going toe-to-toe, defense not even in his vocabulary. Um, legendary fight with Trevor Sen, which is if not the great, if it isn't, it's one of the greatest hockey fights of all time. Um, but you look at a guy like Dennis Bonvi, who is a bit more calm in his fights, and uh, you, you think back to the the fight he had with his against Vandenbush, that marathon fight. Um, even hear the announcer, you know, Bonvi looking very calm at this one. You know, while they're squaring off, and um, I think Bonvi was just a more sound fighter than Tasker. You got Tasker who's wide open and going, but. I think Bonvi is able to kind of let Tasker either tire himself out or counter it pretty well and get going against Tasker. So uh, my my nod here is to uh, to Bones, uh, Dennis the Menace. Jay? You know, I, I love Ken Tasker. Uh, UHL guy, I don't know if a lot of people know that he actually played in Thunder Bay with uh, Doc Holliday. Um, but Dennis Bonvi, if, if he's not a number one seed, he's got to be a two seed in this tournament. He is, you know, Bones is legendary, uh, and I, I, I think Bonvi takes the edge on this one. Yeah, Bonvi's definitely on my Mount Rushmore. Uh, did it forever versus probably has the greatest fight card ever versus everybody. Under well, him and Tasker would actually be the same size. I was gonna say he's undersized, but not against Tasker, he's not. But I mean, Bonvi, if you go back and watch Bonvi's stuff, I mean, he could basically fight any way you wanted to fight. If you wanted to go toe to toe, he could do that. If you wanted to get technical, he could do that too. He'd he'd wait you out. He could fight the long fight, um, technically sound. Fought it, like I said, fought everybody. Legendary chin, granite chin. He took you know, and uh, he could go toe to toe with Tasker, but he I think he could he could wait Tasker out and then start opening up on him too. So, um, and I love Ken Tasker. Like I said, wide open fight. Yeah, the fight was sent as legendary. Um, but and that'd be a great fight, but I, I would I'm leaning Dennis on this one. Um the next one, Pete Vandermeer versus Nasty Morasty. Jay, what are we doing here? Oh, this this is a good scrap. Uh I mean oh. how how can you go how how can anybody say a bad word about 
Pete Vandermeer, anybody who likes tough guys or tough hockey. I mean, he is obviously a legend from the AHL. I got to see him a year here in Quad City. Um, I got to see him the year before when he was at San Antonio. Um, well, I mean, the guy is still doing it in senior league, which I'm going to take a second here. Got to give a shout out to the Lacombe Generals, taking it over, uh, even though he didn't play, taking it over Pete Vandermeer's Red Deer Rustlers going up in the finals tonight. My, my buddy Tyler Chavez leads getting a couple assists going on. Sorry, Darren. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, what, what can you say against John Morasti? He is probably the most well-known guy minor league hockey-wide, if not the most, one of the most by you know casual fans. Um, Vandermeer, he was crazy. He'd do anything. But I think... Morasti is uh, a much better fighter, and I think Morasti takes this one. Alec? Yeah, I got to agree as well. Um, I think bo- <laughs> I think both guys are smiling before the fight, smiling during the fight, and smiling after it. Um, this is just the character of both the guy, uh, both both of them how they are. But got to give the nod to Morasti. They had to have fought in the American League, didn't they? I was just looking it up, and I swear to God they didn't. I thought so, too. I was like, there's no way they didn't fight. Yeah. And I I haven't found anything. I mean, if it's on a fight card, it's there, but it's not. I, I haven't found any video. That's surprising. Um, I thought so, too, because I, I, I was like, I swear they fought before, and I was just looking it up, but no, I got nothing. Huh. Well, it's interesting in this matchup, because Morassi's actually finally in this matchup actually fighting someone that's pretty much the same size as he is. Um, like height wise, I mean, I think Vandermeer is a little taller than Morasti, but not by much. Morasti's um, definitely got the weight on him, but um, yeah, this would be a wide open fight. Well, it's a fight with Morasti; they're all wide open. Um, and Vandermeer <laughs> would fight that way too; he didn't care. And uh, I think it'd be a great fight. I mean, they'd go toe to toe, and like I said, both guys fought everybody. And um, I, I, I don't know. I just think Morasti could probably just switch it up on him a little bit and had a little more power and. Uh, I'd lean Morasti in this one, uh, but it would be great. And like you said, they'd both be smiling before, during, and after. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, that'd be a hell of a battle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when, this, when the computer spit this one out, I just started laughing to myself because I'm just like, really? We're going to do it, eh? All right. Could you imagine? All right, folks, here, we'll lay it down on you here. We got the missing link, Link Gates versus Steve Bosse. Uh, Alec, what are we doing here? Well, thanks. Just throw me into the deep end Absolutely. first. Um, yeah, yeah, here's an an, here's buddy. yeah here. Hold this anvil for me while you're in the deep end too. Um, no, so this one was tough, and of course, two legendary tough guys that from the Quebec League. Um, I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't fight before while you know while Bosse was with Verdun, but I think it was just because it was right at the end of I think he, Link might have been already gone at that point. It was I think Bosse missed him by a year or two. Um but that being said, Bosse is one of the few guys to knock out John Morasti and have the punching like I mean just punching power through the roof had a mean knockout versus um Hamilton and wasn't he was the one that knocked, no it was Cote that knocked out Varhog excuse me it's a, they meshed together after watching so many LNH videos um but you look at a guy like Link Gates as well who when he was in the LNH might have been a little overweight but he he TKO'd a, a prime Pat Cote 
uh, and an absolute war. He did very well against uh, Brandon Sugden, and you know, we see the stick fight he had with Jason Hamilton as well. But you also look at his footage that he had with Joe Koser, and Koser stuck him. And not many people can say they were still standing after Joe Koser hits you right on the beak. And uh, I mean, Gates did it. And for that reason alone, with the punching power that Koser had, I think it's kind of similar to the way Bosse fought in terms of punching power. Um, so I got to go with Link Gates. I think Bosse hits him, and he's surprised that the like the missing link is still standing. Um, and if Link can get spinning around a bit, I think he gets Bosse off edge and gets the win. Jay? Uh, what's funny is I actually thought it was Bosse who dropped Varhog as well. Uh, I went back and watched that one. I, I got to pretty much go word for word with with what Alex said. Um, I mean, prime Steve Bosse, there's not many guys out there who are scarier. But you look at a young Link Gates before the accident, and I, I don't know that there's many people who are who are taking it out of Link Gates at that point. Um Joe Koser, one of the hardest hardest hitters out there yet, like like Alex said, didn't put him down. Um, I if I could see these guys fight ten times, prime you know prime Bosse, prime Gates, I, I I don't know what I'd pay to see it, but I'd pay a lot. But I got to give the missing link the edge. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing when we talk about this. Like I would say, if you're going to do this, if you're going to do it fair and vote fairly. You got to look at both guys in their prime, not 300 pound Link Gates in the Quebec League. You got to look at Link Gates in San Jose that's fighting Bob Probert and going toe to toe with him in the Cow Palace. So that's a prime Probert too. Um, before the car accident, Link Gates I think could have been. And I've said, and I'm not oh my hot take, and I'm trying to whatever. If Link Gates had never been in the car accident and played 10 or 15 years in the NHL, I think we'd be talking about him on an all time top 10 list. I think he was that good, and. Uh, to see him in the Quebec League drop Cote, out out punch Terrio, have the great fight with Sugden and all that. That's with a guy with a brain injury that had to learn to walk again. Who was also like going to get glizzies in in between periods. Yeah, at and, the like, fucking and it wasn't like stand. oh, I'm going to do some massive physio and work out and get back into prime shape. Like no, he's 300 pounds and doesn't give a shit. So it's like <laughs> until he gets until he gets a few punches in. And I've told this story a million times, but I'll share it again for the new listeners. But my friend of mine was coaching Pat Cote at the time, and he asked Cote about Link Gates. And Pat Cote said, Link Gates, I have never punched anyone harder in my life than I punched Link Gates. And all he did was grunt and keep coming. So when Patrick Cote is like, that guy's fucked, when he's saying that, uh, yeah, uh, Steve Boss ain't winning this fight. Um, I think Boss could drill... Gates a bunch of times and Linking going down and I think Link would just have the stamina to outlast him because I think Bosse would gas out and Link was better on his skates and much better player than Steve Bosse and I think he would actually if he and you could see this in Quebec League if you go back and you watch when Bosse fought like and he was cruising through the league and he had the big fights at Morasti and Bosse was the man when he fought Tyler Lawson Lawson controlled that fight and he got Bosse moving on his skates and he was starting to turn them and uh and that didn't work if you planted your skates with Bosse it was going to be a short night but I think if you could get him moving you could do okay and I think Link was a who was a very good player a lot better than people think he was 
Um, he'd be a much stronger skater than Bossy, and I think he would do that. And uh, that's why I would think he would win. So I will give the missing link the victory over Steve Bossy. But uh, the next fight, we have one of the greatest names in hockey history, Robin Big Snake, taking on, well, another great name, Rocky Thompson. We've got some Rocky hockey versus Big Snake. Jay, what are we doing here? Oh, this is this one was tough for me. Um, I realize Rocky Thompson is, you know, one of the legendary tough guys. I don't have a lot of firsthand knowledge of him, just aside from what I've seen on YouTube. Um, I did get to see Robin Big Snake in his first two years of pro hockey with Rockford. And he, what a lot of people don't understand is he was one hell of a player, too. Yep. I mean, his, as a rookie, he had 423 PIM and he had 46 points. So, I mean, he's, he's getting damn near 450 PIM playing first line minutes. And he, he could fight, too. He wasn't just a guy who would go out there and start shit and then, you know, throw two punches and fall down. But I mean, Rocky Thompson is, he, he is, he is one of the best guys out there of all time. I went back and forth. I got both names written down, scratched out on my list. I, I got to go against my bias. I, I, I got to go Rocky Thompson. I think he takes six out of 10 out of Robin Big Snake. Alec? I got to agree. I got to go Rocky Hockey here. Um, I think I, I think it comes down to his fight card. He has a little bit of a better pedigree on there. You know, you got Oliwa, Parker, Grimson. You got guys like that. And there's no slight to Big Snake because there was definitely some tough dudes rolling around the U-Haul in his prime. But I just don't think it was the same caliber. And you see how well Rocky did against, you know, Oliwa, Par. I mean, the fight with Parker where their tarps are both off by the end of the fight and they're still going at it. Um I want to say that was, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. This is just going off of what I've heard, and I think what have you have said in the past. But that was pretty much like the title fight for the WHL that year, was it not? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, you can't really tell me Rocky lost that fight. I wouldn't say you know he won, but you can't really say he lost either. You know, no. Um, so it's just a testament of how he was. And that was you know a prime. I wouldn't say in his prime, but for junior fighters, Parker was one of the best ever. Um, in the dub, and you know he he was right there with him. So I got to go, Rocky Hockey. Yeah, I think Rocky just has the size. He has that the Chuck and Duck that left style, the Golden Gloves left hand, and uh, you know uh, again saw, saw both guys in junior actually. Um, yeah, I think you know Big Snake, tough kid, um, good like as Jay said, better player than I think people remember. Um, but when it came down to fighting, I think it's two different, uh, just two different weight classes. I think Rocky was a heavyweight and just, uh, yeah, I think, and with his, like you said, with his fight card and the guys that he fought, um, yeah, I can't, uh, I don't, I don't think this fight would be for long. And, uh, I think Rocky would just overpower him. Um, Rocky was awesome and, uh, yeah, definitely going with Rocky in this one. Uh, the next one's interesting. I was kind of thinking, well, it's going to have a minor league tournament. And, of course, the legendary, everybody remembers from Slapshot, Ogie Oglethorpe. Well, the inspiration behind that character was Goldie Goldthorpe, Bill Goldthorpe. I got him in here versus Stone Cold Steve McLaren. Alec, what are we doing? No disrespect. Obviously, there's a huge uh, nod to um, Goldie Goldthorpe as being a legend and, of course, the inspiration, as you said, to the infamous Ogie Oglethorpe of Slapshot. But, 
you look at McLaren and you want to talk about being an underrated guy, um, especially in, even in the hockey fight world, um, you don't really hear about McLaren too much. And I think Segroy was one who's you know brought it up before as well that he's probably one of the greatest fighters of all time. Like he didn't lose many at all. And McLaren was, a, was a tough motherfucker. And at the time, the guys he's fighting, the style of fighting, how it had evolved at that point. Um, I got to go with McLaren over Goldthorpe. Okay. I, I love, I love Goldie Goldthorpe in here. Um, just for the fact, yeah, you're, you're, he's, he's a legend, yeah. but like Alex said, I think, Stone Cold Steve McLaren is even within the fight community, he is criminally underrated. Um, like he was a bad dude. I think I think he took a round of Scott Parker when Parker was in Hershey. Um, he went with Jody Shelley when he was up in the show. Um, I think it, back and forth. I think he took a round of Garrett Burnett. I, I think Steve McLaren. There's. There's not many guys that are going to beat Steve McLaren. Out of ten fights, they're not taking six out of Steve. No. Yeah, I think with Goldthorpe, I think obviously there's no there's no footage of him or very little. I think yeah, I don't know if there's any. Um, obviously, you just have the stories and the legend. I have, that's a, that's a book I need to get. I don't have that book. I need to get that book. It's supposed to be really good. Um, uh, yeah, I mean the story's a legendary. He's in the, the jail, they let him out to play and all that. And uh, I think he, I think he kind of, from reading the stories and from talking to people, I think it's kind of a real Sasha Lakovic vibe. Um, I, I think he, he had the rep as just being really crazy. Well, not the, well, not he was crazy, but and then, of course when he played back then, it was a different time. I mean, you have a lot more stick fights and line brawls and bench clearing brawls and. And everything like that. And uh, I know he was a bodybuilder dude. He was a jack dude like Lakovic. Uh, for especially, which was rare, especially for the, in his time period. Um, so the stories of, of Goldie are legendary. Um, but yeah, McLaren was just a tank. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's going, he's, I, I think he would just overpower Goldthorpe. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's got at least 40 pounds on him. And, uh, and Stone Cold was, yeah. He's a bad dude, and it's and like Jay said, it underrated. It always surprises me of the kind of the lack, the you know, the kind of the lack of uh, whatever exposure that he gets from fight fans, uh, which is strange because he was in Philly, right? So you would think with the Phantoms he would, right? You know, would, but I think it was just they. Had, I think the Phantoms just had so many tough guys at the time that he just <laughs> sort of like like it was ridiculous. I think they had like five, six, seven guys on that roster that would fight. So I think you just sort of get lumped in right you didn't really uh, well and they were just stacked year after year it'd be like you yeah. know you got lasard fedoric <laughs> gratton by lois mclaren yeah. it's like, when does it end <laughs> yeah well then they get bonvi and he's there for a while yeah too, right and it's just like <laughs> that's right oh yeah and then you got like the the guys that don't fight that much like kirby law and stuff who are just super tough too but yeah i mean they were just yeah a stacked team so i think he kind of gets overshadowed but yeah bad dude and like you said Segroy pumped his tires and i mean if Mike Segroy is calling you the baddest dude ever, who might argue with Mike Segroy? He'd know. So, yeah, there you go. And I think Steve Parsons on my show said the same thing, you know, because um, McLaren caught him too and uh, put him down, which is no easy feat. And he just said, yeah, he hit real hard. So, yeah, I'll go with Stone Cold. But finally, the uh, the final fight of this fiasco here at the sixth annual minor league mayhem tournament, um, and it's 
neither guy's a slouch, man. I'm <laughs> telling you, this list we went through, this is the who's who, man. Uh, but final, old Yabo, Jeremy Yablonski takes on Roger Maxwell. Jay, what are we doing in this final bout here of the tournament? Uh, I, Roger Maxwell is one of my favorite favorites of all time. Um, I saw him play down in Peoria when he was with Louisiana, and that's he was the largest human being I'd ever seen in my life at that point. It looked like a, like a Brinks truck with a hockey jersey on. Um, just massive human being. There's He was way bigger than the size listed on HockeyDB. Uh, but, I mean, Yabo is Yabo. He's, he did it for so long. He did it against the best in the game year in and year out. Um, I got to go with Yablonski. He, he takes the edge over uh, big Roger Maxwell. Alec? Got to say the same thing. I got to wrap it up with Yabo here. Um, I, I, I just think with his, because he did that, he had the MMA background. Uh, well, I shouldn't say background. I know he kind of dabbled into it while he was in the process out there of uh, being an enforcer for Binghamton and everything. But you look at a guy like Yablonski, and that's a dude who just genuinely loves to fight. And those are the scariest dudes to go against, I think. And I'm not saying Roger Maxwell was scared or anything like that, but when you got that, that, you know, that extra edge to you, like, like Yabo does, I think it really elevates your game when it actually comes to fighting as well, because you're just not scared. You don't give a fuck. You're out there and you're, lo- you're loving it. Um, and it makes a guy, it makes a guy like that real scary because Yabo was a fucking fridge on skates. Um, but I got to go with Yabo over Maxwell. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup. But I mean, like you said with Yablonski, much like Trevor Gillies, I think they're two guys that like, and like they train so hard for it. And they were like legitimately weight training and boxing and MMA and, and everything. And everything in their hockey preparation surrounded fighting. Like other guys are stick handling and working on their, you know, polymetrics and all that shit. I mean, those guys would work on their skating because they had to and everything. But I think they focus so much on fighting that, yeah, they were just trained missiles on skates. And I think, not saying that Maxwell didn't, but I don't, I, you know, I think Roger would even say this. I don't think, because very few did, I don't think put in the effort and the, into fighting as Yablonski did. He was a professional fighter on skates. On right. And, yeah. and I don't think Maxwell had that level of like, you know, well, because who does? I can name like one other guy that did. So it's like, uh, yeah, I think he, Blonsky was just so dedicated to the craft. And in his prime, he was so good. And it was just like, you know, Maxwell, big, yeah, big tough dude, did it for a long time, did it in the LNH for a long time, put up massive fight numbers. But uh, yeah, I don't think uh, a, a prime zero in on your target, Yablonsky, he's that he's tough to beat. And I think he could cruise through this tournament so it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see how this tournament goes it's always fun to vote uh for you guys listening for the listeners out there i want to thank you for taking the two-hour ride with us here and listening to this show and uh when you get out and vote on facebook this year it's gonna be a little different but uh when you get out and vote please comment i'd love to hear people's uh opinions on fights and i think this guy or whatever i mean as long as we keep it respectful and everything and because uh, I always say, if you're going to act like a donkey, you won't be around for long because I have no problem blocking people. So, um, But let's just keep it respectful because there are a lot of ex-fighters and a lot of guys that are in this tournament will be on Facebook and reading these things. So um, I think it's just a fun little thing to talk about and get, like you said, get these guys uh, out there and people talking about them again. But uh, 
Jay, Alec, uh, I want to thank you guys for, uh, well, for, I was an hour late after I got hung up by a train and everything else, but, and it's super late where you guys are. And, uh, I, so, but I appreciate you coming on. I always have fun doing these with you guys. Um, any final words, uh, Jay, you got anything final to say to the folks out there? Just say, just say thanks again to you, Darren, for having me back on. It's always a great time with you and, uh, having the mud show from North Kakalaka join us. It was, yep. uh, it was a damn good night, and uh, thanks for the time, boys. Absolutely. Uh, Alec? Hey, I don't got much to say after that. I mean, it pretty much sums it up. I appreciate you for having me on the show. It's always a good time. And uh, anytime I get a chance to come sit in the office and talk hockey for a few hours is always a plus in my book. So I appreciate you letting me come on and yap your guys' ear off for a couple hours. Fantastic, boys. You guys did a great job, and I appreciate it. You guys take it seriously, too. Folks, for you guys listening out there, uh, these guys, I, I sent it to them early. They uh, they put some thought into this and did some research, and uh, which I always appreciate from uh, you know when you have a guest to come on and kind of you know take it serious and want to do the uh, you know bring the best show to the listeners. So that's always a plus. So that's why I always have these guys on. And uh, <laughs> this is your best show. <laughs> no, no, I'm this not was, saying that. This I'm just was saying, the best. This was the best. That's kind of know. what I heard. No, I, like you guys presented yourselves well. I guess I'll put it that way, but. Um, you know, I mean, Al- Alex might have cemented uh, the reason why people don't want that show back on the air. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> you know, no, you guys, I'll, I'll give you, you guys your due. No, these are two of my favorite guests, and uh, no, I always appreciate it as a host. As Alex from his old show will remember that anytime you can get a a, a, a guest that you know takes it seriously and thinks about their answers and this thoughtful answers and and wants to put on a you know, produce a good show for the people listening. It makes, as a host, it makes things so much easier. So, no, that's why I always like having you guys on, because I know you guys will bring the A game and the people listening. Well, I know just from the numbers that these episodes do that I've had John, I know people appreciate and enjoy having you get, listening to you guys. So, um, yeah, it was fun. But I'm going to shut up. I'll get let you guys go, because, I mean, I, it's super late there, and we're probably all getting divorced after, well, Jay's not, but Alec and I might be split, dividing half our shit here pretty quick if I don't get off the air. So I will let you guys go. Thank you once again. And, uh, yeah, folks, get out and vote. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?